Hey, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Conversation Podcast here at McCurdy's Comedy Theater. We are in the third week of April. We are still shut down here at the club, but we still keep putting out podcasts because what else are we going to do, really? Uh, This was a really fun episode, actually. Uh, A lot of my good friends got to come in and sit down for this one. This is just a good old-fashioned... comics shit show we all just kind of sat around and talked crap the first part of the conversation was all just crazy nonsense a lot of fun stuff goofy stuff silly stuff and then the back end we got super deep into corona so this is just a warning ahead of time in case you didn't want to hear anything about corona the back end of the conversation about like 45 minutes long is about just just about corona so uh we hope you guys enjoy this one it's a goofy one but uh please give it up for our guest al ernst he's a major major headliner he's been in the business for 30 years known less forever and he's been a bit of a mentor for me we also had mitch malley he's a writer for the bradenton times he's published three books and he's a hilarious comic himself starred in sarasota florida we also have alex boyce he's a hilarious open micer goofy dude he looks like a sober mitch hedberg he really does he's awesome love this guy i love them all and uh please Enjoy the episode. Thanks. Welcome to the conversation. Hey, I'm Les McCurdy, McCurdy's Comedy Theater and Humor Institute here in Sarasota, Bradenton, Florida. And uh, this is the conversation. Uh, Normally, uh, we would be in our green room behind the stage. Uh, A show would be going on, and uh, and I'd be making money. (laughs) But that ain't happening. So, so yeah, uh, because of the, the virus and all that. So... Uh, we, we've been able to keep this um, podcast going because we've got some local comedians uh, who have been willing to come in. We are set up in a very safe way. We're, we're, we're social distancing with the microphones. <laughs> we, if you want to mer- wear a mask, you can. We have Lysol. We have, we have uh, uh, hand sanitizer every freaking where. We have, we have wiped this shit down, so uh, so yeah, we're as safe as we can be in this sort of situation, and so just a good thing to chat. So um, the conversation is a conversation. Uh, it is not uh, predetermined. It is not an interview. We just get in the. We just start talking and uh, and see where it goes because that's what comics do when they're sitting and hanging out. And believe it or not, sometimes it's comedy that we talk about, and sometimes it's hemorrhoids, and sometimes it's, <laughs> you know, it's raising our kids, and sometimes it's, you know, the medication we're on, and the ailment we just went through, or, uh, or, so, or the girl we just uh, uh, turned That's us down. That's an ailment, too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, the man talking over there, I mean, we're going to introduce yourself so people know your voice and tell them a little bit about who you are. I am Mitch Maley. I am a local comic, and I also work as a journalist with the BradentonTimes.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Alex Boyce. I am very caffeinated, and I uh, I train uh, <laughs> raccoons to be uh, emotional support animals. Wow, you can't really top that. That's really <laughs> not, nowhere to go. You have there. that look, so yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, I'm, it's I'm, my passion. It's my passion. <laughs> I'm, we're going to get deep into that. Too. Yes, we are. 
I'm, I'm Al Ernst. I've uh, been a, a touring comedian for 30 years up until this year where I've uh, found, uh, due to the virus, a new career at Publix. <laughs> I know. So. You know something, Al? You know, uh, uh, that was I, – I was I, – I was, it was just – I was proud of you, you know, to see you pop that up and throw that out there. I mean, you know, because so many times ego can get in people's way of going and just doing what you need to do to get by. Or, right. or and I mean, in your case, you're not only doing something that, hell, pays you a decent hourly wage, it's some money coming in, uh, which, which, of course, in a situation like this, you're going, everybody that can do whatever they can do to not be a burden on the system, that, that's, that's great. And, uh, and not only that, you're doing something that is uh, critical to be done. I mean, that's the, I mean, we're all been talking, talking the hell out of that over the past few weeks of how much, hopefully when we come out of this, we appreciate the maintenance guy, the maintenance person that keeps shit clean, the, the yeah. stalker, the, yeah. the delivery driver. The, I mean, those people, and, you know, and, and uh, 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 when you go down to, because this is a big issue coming up uh, over the next, uh, probably in this election anyway, is, you know, an hourly wage, a, a, a minimum wage that is a living wage. And I've always thought, if somebody's willing to go and put 40 hours a week in and be a dependable, good, you know, worker at whatever they do, whatever they do, they do, they go in, they do a good job. I don't care what they're doing. They should be able to make enough money to live a decent ass life. But yeah, anyway. Right. Yeah, just make it through. Now, I mean, the, the, the thing that I've always have been so proud of is that I left my career, I mean, left everything. And I, you know, still remember the day driving away to my first gig from Atlanta to Asheville, uh, North Carolina, uh, you know, on September the 3rd, 1990. And for the subsequent next 30 years, I have not done, I haven't had to deliver a pizza. Because you I mean, actually had, you were, you were a director yeah, of a boys club. The that. YMCA. Yeah, the I YMCA. Was a, I was a, the executive director of the Metro South YMCA in Atlanta. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, I had a career, benefits, the whole nine yards, and uh, decided to totally walk away from that and go into this crazy business. Because the, the chicks dig it, right? Oh, yeah. Boy, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they, they love It's a better guys. pickup line than yeah. I'm the executive director at the YMCA. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, the y that didn't go over real big except with some of the groups. Although, although, although if you get a savvy woman – you know, the young girls don't get it, but you get a you get a savvy woman, and you and you mention benefits, yeah. like she goes, he has health care and all that yeah. shit and a or pension. A, yeah, nowadays, or she's judging me now, right? <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, listen, man, you you gotta understand, uh, I am uh, I am a, a sex symbol to what they call the bear club. <laughs> what? Yeah. What's the bear club? Okay, mm. the bear club is Do you want to know this? Yes, yeah, I do want to know. I didn't I didn't know what the bear club was until they approached me on the uh, cruise ship one time. Oh, uh, they, they were there was a, the bear club the, there is actually a club of bears. They well, they're they, not with PETA, less than. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, is are, this going to segue into training raccoons? <laughs> well, that's what I'm hoping to get through. I'm I'm trying to move it that way. <laughs> That's okay. what I'm trying to do. Okay, go. Now, I, there was a group of m men 
that I did exclusively seven shows men. on this uh, uh, yeah that were that uh, you know were gay men you know you could pretty much know it when you saw it but they would come do every show yeah. and they would sit in the first two rows of every show hearing the same show over and over again yeah. and which made zero sense to me until one of them finally approached me did they laugh every time they laugh oh they laughed and they and they touched their nipples yeah yeah (laughs) they they thought it was mike you seem to know too much i know i know way too much about this clearly (laughs) so the short the short end what he's saying is they they tend to hold large robust and hairy men in high regard Thank you. Ah. Leave it to that's the, a bear. Leave it. Leave it to the newspaper man. <laughs> mm. yeah. to get that. It's yeah. like nice. it's like if the entire cast of Game of Thrones was gay. It's Shout like, out to comic <laughs> Hugh Carey for telling me that one. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, you well, explained the lingo to you. You explained the lingo. I'm I'm yeah. down now. Yeah, but, but yeah. that was what it was, and I I took pictures with all of them and uh, individual with your clothes pictures. on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they 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 one of them asked me to unbutton my shirt a little bit and pull some chest hair out. The merch was flying off the shelf that night. Wasn't yeah, it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was selling DVDs like you wouldn't believe. That's awesome. So, so hey, yeah. you know, so, for for so long you've been trying to find your audience. Yeah, and I apparently boom b- oh, mm-hmm. with with zero material that they would they would relate to. Uh, I mean, absolute zero material. But somehow they just thought it was the greatest thing, and they they hung every night I was there. They were right there in the first two rows. Lovely. And, uh, and Lovely. I am the uh, I am the heartthrob of the uh, that particular. <laughs> your your show was like a Charlie Brown episode. Then yeah. they just heard wah wah yeah. wah wah. wah. I know, I know. <laughs> they were all eyes, baby. Doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't you know. care. I I walked mm-hmm. away from that feeling like I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and the the greatest part was one night it got so crowded around me. Security actually had to come and what? break up the group. Gay security or is it like regular security? Regular security, not gay security. <laughs> ship security. I don't ask the security on the ship whether they're. They're gay. very yeah. progressive. You don't have yeah. to. You're the top. You're the top grizzly. Yeah. You're the top grizzly. Yeah. You have yeah. to do whatever so, you want, dude. You're going to get bad mail on that gay security. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you are. Get some hate mail. Yeah, get, get some gay mail from the raccoons. Yes, you will. Yeah. Yes, but, uh, yeah, but that was. Uh, yeah. So. That's so what? I am. So, a, so have you, uh, uh, do you, are they now on your fan? Oh, yeah, they're on my fan page. They right. uh, occasionally have shown up How many? Land how shows. many do you think there might be in the country? In oh, the world? thousands. Well, yeah. thousands, but, I mean, could there be hundreds of thousands? I don't know if there could be hundreds yeah. of thousands. You might not even know it. Yeah, you know? there's yeah. at least three in this room right now. <laughs> <laughs> Statistically speaking. Statistically speaking. Is that a fat yeah. joke? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, it didn't matter to me. No, yeah. I'm just men, saying, men, I mean, women, it's like, you know, I mean, it's just like anything as a, as a performer. Sometimes you don't know. You don't know who you're going to tap onto that's just going to fall in love with what you do. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can't predict yeah. it. And, and I think it's true that you might be going for a certain – you might think you're going for a certain audience and then all of a sudden realize, no, that, that's not what's fallen for me. It's this group over here. It's yeah. the Bear Club. And, and it might be a group like the Bear Club that you go, I don't really – I don't really have anything in common that no. I thought I did, right. other than a you know a, a look or whatever. Other than they like me, yeah. But by God, 
you know, at that point, you're like going, well, where's every fucking bear club in the country? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, I want I want to get on I'll, the – I'd want to be on their newsletter. Yeah, I'll play yeah. the bear club. No, I, they, yeah. one of them actually asked me – they said, now, we do produce a calendar. Oh, God. Nice. Would you be one of the months of the Mr. calendar? Nice. I said, absolutely. Absolutely, I said, I said yeah. yeah. I, said, I didn't want to tell them that I did – I'd just do it for free just because yeah. I could say I was on a, on a calendar. Well, you'd you know, have it. You yeah, own that could sell it. Yeah. You, you could, sell it at your show. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's just you and a jar of honey. <laughs> wow. And the you got, as that, much as you even, like baseball, you have yeah. to be Mister October. Yeah, I'd be Mister October. <laughs> but I got to tell you that that whole thing with a jar of honey, really, even me, it makes gives me the creeps. <laughs> <laughs> it even gives me the creeps, and, and it would be me. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, oh, God. But yeah, but I, you're absolutely right, Les. You you don't know who's going to be your fan. Yeah. You know? No. You really no. don't. You yeah. think you think you're going one direction and it's a whole different Absolutely. Group of Absolutely. Yeah. I mean right here at our you know at our club, I mean it, it's you know, club and I and I I kick myself saying it's theater, theater. Theater. Comedy Think should that. always be called theater, not club. Yeah. Um but uh uh you know, I mean here here in, now of course in in our area, uh it is it is an area where it is older. It just demographically is older. Um, you know, not that everybody that walks in this club is over 60 years old by any means. We, we have all ages. But I would definitely say that over, over 50 yes. is at least half our audience. Oh, for I would sure. Think. Maybe, maybe 70%. For sure, yeah. You know, of Without our audience, you know. And, you know, and, and the, thing that all, the thing that has really um, been just, I don't want to say amazing, but just uh, so pleasant, I guess, about it, that, and, and is that that audience comes in 55 to 85, right? Comes in, majority of the crowd here. And they listen to edgy comics. Edgy, you know, I mean, like, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, whatever, uh, uh, you know, I'm thinking of. Uh, Louie. He, I mean, that well, Louis C.K. obviously one of the edgiest. Yeah, Louis C.K. Edgy, or a, yeah. uh, uh, you know, Ty Rivera. Uh, Ty Rivera. Yeah, um, and that was a, the show I saw with Ty was a particularly old crowd, and it yes. was great to see how loose they were. Yes, yeah. and, and uh, you know, so, and over the years we've had a, we've had you know Bobby Slayton and Bobby Slayton, uh, yeah. uh, and there's there, there's I'm just not thinking uh, Even, Nick DiPaolo. Yeah. You know, I mean. These act, they're great acts, but they are they're they're in your face. They're in your face. They're 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 they're, they're challenging the audience. They're comics yeah. that want to challenge the audience, and some of the younger comics that do. And hey, man, you know they sit here and go, and you know what I tell them is with our crowd is, you're not you're not going to do anything so shocking that they're that you're going to turn the audience off just on that. What you what 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 will turn that audience off is if it's unprofessional, right? If it's unprofessional, they'll spot it because these audience have had seen great comedy for thirty almost thirty five years here. Yeah, you know they right. know the difference between shock for shock and shock that is well crafted. Right. Although, you know they do they can spot it mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. But I'll give you one where that it might not necessarily be true is the comics that portray kind of a genteel person on tv and come out here and be really edgy 
then you lose. Yeah, like you always the, talk about when they're not prepared. Well, like Sackett. Well, yeah, or, now, or, now, well, know. Bob Saget, though, uh, the thing about Bob Saget, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, uh, there's two where it blindsided my audience. Uh, and I've tried to book Bob. The thing, and I'll preface this by saying, when you book Bob Saget, anytime you book a comic that is a celebrity, you're booking through a major agency. When you book through an agency, there is a big-ass contract, and that contract has all kinds of caveats in it. Yeah. And, and there's a writer that has all kinds of things. In Bob Saget's contract writer, you have to bill him X-rated. You have to. Yeah. You know, he has it in there. He, he doesn't want to blindside his audience. No. He knows, he knows he needs to do that, and he's – and the thing about it is, is that he cares about his audience, so he doesn't want someone coming in there thinking it's, you know, the Bob Saget that's, uh, you know, primetime TV clean, and then he's as raw as he can be. So he does that. But we had two acts that blindsided us, and that was Tracy Morgan and um, um, uh, Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey, yeah. I would well, kill to see well, Tracy Why, did Tracy Morgan. show up that and work clean? How did he blindside <laughs> No. Well, the thing about it is – Tracy, I was really surprised that Tracy was playing comedy clubs, that he was going out and playing clubs, because at the time when I got the, the email from the agent saying, hey, would you be interested in Tracy? And I'm like, well, duh. What yeah. year was this? this? He's on 30 Rock. I mean, this, was, this wasn't just Saturday Night Live fame. Right. He was already in the second or third season of 30 Rock. Right. I mean, this son of a bitch is a star star, you know? And, and you're going, well, you're just flattered that he's playing clubs, you know? It's like, and, he, and he picked yours, yeah. you know? And, I, you know and, and a lot of the urban comics, you know. Is that code Sarah's, for black? What's is that, that? Is that code for black comics? That's right. Okay. <laughs> and, or, or Latino. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, or white comics that. Try to act black. Yeah, yeah, that, grow, <laughs> that are Eminem. Uh, that's why people call me urban but you know but but it's a style of comedy that mainly that mainly floats into that ethnic group but uh but the uh the thing is is that you know if you're if you're an if you're a comic that is that is an urban comic you don't look at sarasota (laughs) as your market right you know what i mean you're going well that ain't my market because you can go one hour up the road to tampa Now you're in your market, right? You know, so for me to get them, that's really flattering and cool. So we got Tracy. They didn't. I don't know what his show is. I've never seen Tracy do stand up. I've never seen a Tracy Morgan stand up special at that point in time. I have, so I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is, it's and, filthy. <laughs> and I don't think there had been one out there, right? right? So he comes in, and he is. He's filthy. He's filthy, and he and he's filthy. It is shock filled. Yeah. It's shock filled. Really, his whole act at that. Well, at at, at that point in time, it was nothing but. It was almost like doing it. There's an improv exercise, an improv game, and it's a one up. So I say something gross, you have to say something gross, or you have to say something gross, or you have to. And you just keep going until it gets so gross that. You just can't go there. Like your morals won't even allow you to to go that far. I do that. I do that Christmas morning with my family. Do so, you really? Yeah, every Christmas. The whole yeah. family does that yeah. together. Who wins? We we saw a mass suicide at the end, so nobody wins. <laughs> well, no, you're here. You can only do that one time, Alex. You got me. <laughs> I got you on that one. I'm gonna bet 
I'm going to bet your grandmother wins every time. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that it's like his act was, I'm going to tell you about some wild, sec, wild fucking thing, experience I had, and then every bit after it's going to be more than that, yeah. more than that, to the point where his closer, his closer <laughs> was. That's a great way to describe it. That's right. His closer was, was now I'm going to tell you my most memorable favorite. Fuck I right? <laughs> and that was when he was fucking when he was fucking this girl that had uh I believe it was cerebral palsy. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> and he knew she was having a really good orgasm when her leg brace banged on the side <laughs> of the bedpost, okay? So and it's like that was it, and then it's good night. And, and mind you, by this Thanks point, a lot for having. By me. this point, there's been nothing to suggest the audience is with him. Like, no, like Tracy no, doesn't no, adjust no. based oh, no, on no. her response. Not at all. Not at all. It just, it just keeps not at all. And he, he, he could have cared less. He could have cared. He just went on like, like what? I mean, I'll tell you one thing. You talk about a guy that exudes confidence, man. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, I mean, let me tell you what. He was easy as pie to deal with. He was he he wasn't he wasn't arrogant or hard. It was just that, <laughs> and so. How did the crowd react? Was well, there? all but the all, he did four. I think he did four shows. I don't think he did five. I think he just did Friday, Saturday, four shows. Three of the shows, all but the Friday late show, twenty fifteen to twenty minutes in, you can tell. Everybody in the room is trying to figure out how they can leave. <laughs> how they can just get up and fucking leave. But they didn't. They didn't. You know, not – I won't say nobody did. I mean, I would say probably, you know, 20 or 30 people left. Holy but, shit. But the whole crowd pretty much wanted to leave. But the Friday Late Show was a very young crowd. They dug them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. They dug them. They mm -hmm. got up there and went, oh, Tracy's going fucking wild tonight. You yeah. know, Tracy's, go Tracy's off the fucking chain. Yeah. And they got into it. But the regular crowd, because the jokes just weren't well crafted. You know what I mean? It was more just shock to be shocking. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so here was the thing I told his agent. The problem was, was not Tracy's act. The problem was you didn't prepare the audience mm. for that. The audience had only seen Tracy Morgan on Saturday Night Live and 30 Rock. Right. He doesn't have a comedy special. So they're expecting that. That guy. They're mm. expecting that guy. They're expecting him to do some of the characters he did on Saturday Night Live. And you blindsided him, okay? I, and I put that on the agent and the management. I go, that's on you guys. All you had to do was say, you need to let the audience know that he's raw. This is Tracy raw. And I guarantee you, I'd have still sold out every show and they'd have had an all right time. You know, there's a big difference in how you prepare the audience. And the other was Gilbert Godfrey. And Gilbert's <laughs> not only raw, but he's dark. Yeah, like he'll oh do pedophile God. jokes, Hitler, and stuff. Yeah, 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 he will. He'll do real dark pussy, stuff. Yeah. And you just, if you don't, and and you know, some of the people knew his comedy. I would say in his case, about about a third of the crowd, 
maybe half in some cases knew that about him, but a good other half knew him as the Disney character. Fucking Iago. And the Affleck duck. That's right. And they're like, oh, my God. I think Tracy Morgan's reminded me, I bet you Red Fox dealt with that a lot when people came out because they saw Sanford and Son. Well, yeah. But, you know, Red Fox was had done comedy for so many years before he ever – and he was – I mean, everything was red, F-O-X-X-X. Right, right. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. he was he but, was so known to be dirt. But, you know, what is another interesting kind of act is the one that starts out with all of the things the audience expects and then turns their ending into the dark, into never, never. And that happened to me when I subbed for you, open for, uh, opening for Lovitz. For oh, yeah. Because yeah, at the very beginning... He's what he is on TV. Uh-huh. And then, well, I don't know what feud he has going with Sackett, but that last 20 minutes he's was, not some gay. Of, yeah, <laughs> was some of the most vile on yeah. the piano. Well, singing that on right. the piano. Well, you know, here's the thing, Al. It's called They're Bob. actually good friends. Yeah. And, and he's been doing that bit Forever. where he just vilifies Bob Saget and just it's makes so him the most horrible person in the world, right? Yeah. And, and, and uh, it, you know, and, and it's gay bashing and yep. it's all that stuff. So funny. And it, it's, it, it is, and it doesn't fit with the rest of the act. No. But he's been doing that for, for years. For years. For years. And Saget knows he does it. And from my understanding, Bob don't give a flying fuck. You know, it's like, it's, it's ludicrous. It's just a ludicrous thing. But you're exactly right. A big chunk of the audience does not know yeah, they, how to take this. Yeah, exactly. They, they don't get it. Yeah. Les, have you ever had a guy really walk a room on you and McCurdy's? Um, besides Mike. Besides Mike. <laughs> oh, and, I, and let me tell you, I, and I'll back, back this up on, on, on uh, I want to say this on Lovitz. But I booked him again, and he sold out the room again. And I had him booked. I got him. He's booked. He was booked in June. And we had to move him. So audiences love him. And even though he did that at the end, they I think they kind of get it that it was it's just an over the top crazy fucking bit that's not that's not in any way uh, a, a serious bash of Bob Sag. No. Um, yeah. We've had we've had acts that. Um, not not walk not like walk walk a room no like half the room leave yeah no no wow. never, never. Wow. uh you know we we've had we've had 20 30 people leave. that's a lot yeah when you have 20 30 people leave i mean you know so uh do you ever have a feature that walked a bunch of people for a headliner uh no that's no like a nightmare we've scenario, had a feature right? walk a few people and we'll catch them at the door and you go you do realize that the guy that you're not pleased with is a 20 minute like up and coming guy yeah. i mean you know mm-hmm. what i mean and you probably didn't like 10 minutes of the 20 you know what i mean you you're, you're not even seeing the headline just an appetizer just yeah. an appetizer well you know their minds their minds are like well if this is what we're going to see all night we're not staying for this. Well, that is what their where their heads are. Yeah. But you're and so they're unsophisticated to the whole thing. And we try to explain to them, hey man, you know, stick around and watch the headliner. Comics have to learn. They have to grow. 
you know and at times part of that growth process is doing material that doesn't work really a lot yeah. you like doesn't a, work a badly <laughs> you know yeah. doesn't very, very just helpful. not work but like you lose the audience they don't like you anymore yeah you know what i mean i think and the three of us have all taken turns doing that out at the bar on the main stage yeah, yeah. you learn you learn say, we've definitely walked people in the meeting <laughs> yeah. hey, i'll tell you what oh, for me, sure. me ken sons and sam walsh we're touring with show show called the Bermuda Mavericks, where we did half comedy and half improvisation, and uh, we were in Atlantic City, first time up there, and uh, we end up playing up playing Atlantic City a bunch, and uh, so we're up there, and the casino uh, lounge that we're playing uh, is is set up to be a comedy club, you know, and uh, and it holds. At least 200 people maybe 250 it's a good size room. it's a nice nice room and most of the you know the the shows were hit or miss but i had we had the one where we walked was they will in atlantic city they have the bus people <laughs> and they're old people and they bus them from jersey somewhere right. you know <laughs> From some Bingo city off. in Jersey, yeah. Oh, yeah. they bus them down, <laughs> and, and there might be two bus loads of them, and they're just there for the day. That's it, yeah. you know. And they they got they play the slots, they get the free buffet, they get a free they give them some shows. They and the, they just the comedy show was the thing. So it was the last thing they were going to do before they were yeah. getting on the bus to head home. And they're all over sixty five, right. easily. And there was about. 40 of them in a room of about 100 in a in a it was a sunday night and there was about 150 and they were all sitting together kind of on on the far side from the from the entrance exit the far side oh wow so to leave they had to go through the whole motherfucker to leave, <laughs> right yeah. we got up there they were not happy with us from the very get-go you just knew you, you never had them you know much and then we started doing improv and we were doing freeze tag and uh we got up there and the freeze tag we were doing was two of us were jacking off the jolly green giant to get <laughs> to get green corn <laughs> yes. as one does of course that's so cliche of course so it's cliche. a well-known improv yeah, where, where else it's a well-known improv <laughs> it's stock Classic. it's a stock yeah. improv it's a stock improv everybody does it and so <laughs> When we, when we, they didn't leave until the Jolly Green Giant actually, you know, uh, creamed uh, his corn. actually creamed yeah. the corn. When he creamed the corn, they stood up in unison, in unison, as if they had gone, if this goes where we think it's gonna go, it's like they were spreading it around. If this goes, if this goes where we, if that fucking Jolly Green Giant comes on that stage, we are the fuck out of here. And I mean, when we did it, they stood up, and when they walked through the room, they walked through loud. This is the biggest bunch of crap, the most unprofessional. And oh, they. Uh, I love that they waited. That's so funny. They did. That they, they waited did. for the invisible. They waited dude to for the, the punch. <laughs> That's so funny. Because they gave us the benefit of 
Maybe there's going to be something clown. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Maybe something's Maybe. coming, if you will. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's so funny no, that they're no, waiting no, no, around no. for that. So we walk the most people. I, who was the Jolly Green Giant? The the Jolly Green Giants, the vegetable. Yeah, but who was like? Does anybody was anybody? No, 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 no. Oh. It was just the two of us. Pantomime. <laughs> like like with our arms wrapped around something the size of a garbage can, <laughs> and we're running back and forth on the stage, you know, as if this penis is about thirty feet long, you know, and about you know five six feet in diameter. My hometown had a weekly senior bus trip to Atlantic City, so I probably had some relatives in the room. It could have been. Could have been. <laughs> and you know, we had some of the worst. And it was it was in the improv, you know. It was like because usually, usually they just love the improv. And we were touring with this improv show. There was no one doing improv in stand-up comedy rooms other than in big cities, other than maybe a Chicago or New York. But in the touring clubs, just out there, nobody was doing improv. Every once in a while, you might get a couple of acts that knew how to do it that might close the show out with one improv thing or something like that but nobody was actually doing improv and so we felt like well maybe this is a niche you know and most of the time it was great I mean we just had a blast with it and the crowds really got into it but boy when they didn't get it when they just didn't understand the concept of it oh and and I Huntsville Alabama Huntsville Alabama and I'm telling you, <laughs> the weird thing about Huntsville is NASA is one of the biggest right. employers oh, right. in Huntsville, Alabama. So literally, you can have a crowd that half the crowd is literally rocket, rocket scientists, scientists. <laughs> and the other half of the crowd is down-home Huntsville. Yeah. You know what I mean? Good people, but just down-ass home. They are as opposite as they could possibly yeah, be. Yeah, IQ range is 50 to So it's like you, yeah. your jokes never land on the whole crowd. Right. Never. You just kind of get ha- – you've worked that. You yep. worked oh, Huntsville. Yeah. Yeah. And so and a good it was a good club. Yeah, good, everything with the guys there, everybody ran it was wonderful. It was great. And we'd all been in there as just individual acts and had a good time in there. But when we got there the first the first night and we, we would all all three of us would do stand up, you know, fifteen minutes of stand up up front to kind of prove that you're funny, get the crowd knowing who you are, and sell them on you. You know, now they like you, you've made them laugh. Then the other half of the show is improv. So we get up there and we would go, okay, now we're gonna do the improvisation part. This is where we take suggestions from the audience and we play these different structures and games off of that and we explain the game that we're gonna play. We go, okay, now we need, we need some suggestions from the audience. I need an occupation. Any occupation. <laughs> <laughs> what does somebody do out there? <laughs> All right, nothing. Crickets, nothing. And you're looking at 150, 200 people. And I mean, nothing. And what do you do for a living, sir? <laughs> no way. <laughs> I'm not walking into this trap. No fucking secret they agents? They would not say anything. They didn't trust you. Or anything. Yeah. So then, so the staff, the servers, <laughs> the bartender, and the manager started yelling out suggestions. <laughs> That went all week. Oh not one show. Wow. Every show. We could not hardly get a single anything from an audience member. 
they just looked at us like this this is a trick <laughs> and as soon as i do it i'm gonna be the brunt of the joke yeah. and i'm not gonna go there and then when you got into what you were doing it's just they just looked at you like that's not why we came here yeah we came mm -hmm. here for stand-up comedy we don't even know what you're doing this is some kind of theater or something witchcraft I, we don't know <laughs> and and so literally the first half of the show we go out there and do really well and then we get into the improv and it just died it's a so horrible so death <laughs> to the point we were walking out like the third show We'd, we we we've left the stage. They closed the show. Went back to the bar. We grabbed a beer. We're walking out towards the lobby, and this, just as typical what you would think an Alabama farmer would look like. You know, he's you know he's six two, lanky overalls. Yeah. You know, half beard. And he looks over at us. He goes, "Hey boys, I gotta ask you a question. How you get a job like that?" <laughs> that's, he goes that through the whole thing i thought that's the most amazing thing you did on that stage was that they they paid you <laughs> yeah they paid y'all didn't they Damn. wow <laughs> i gotta hand it to you guys that's incredible <laughs> milking cows <laughs> right you know what time pigs. i got up this morning <laughs> yeah and they're paying you to do this yes you're jerking oh off God. invisible fruit people, <laughs> uh, invisible green bean folks. Have y'all ever had that situation where someone from the crowd just in the middle of your show not only left, but left like saying something to you like, yeah. you need to stop doing this. Oh, of course. Yeah. Right oh, really? Laugh-In Cafe in Fort Myers right in the front row. Woman, uh, woman left her dirty joke and made it very clear that... <laughs> She did. She did not appreciate the tone of my comedy. What joke <laughs> did you? What joke was it? Do you think, or just the overall? It was about all the white supremacist stuff that you say. Probably, I was probably on herpes at that point or something. Yeah, I think that was <laughs> yeah, what. Well, when you go that was what got her. <laughs> you know that kind of. That's yeah. a little. You're 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 teetering right there. You know? <laughs> go right to the edge. I always it's right in the herpes. I, after thirty years, I've never thought about going to the herpes stuff at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> you start with it. A, there's a learning curve to this, Al. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to hear you, man. I'm thinking maybe that's where I why I didn't make it further in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Don't I, uh, start working on a cure. I need your help. Come yeah. on. Yeah, okay, absolutely. cool. Well, I was uh, I was doing a set at a Kaba bar and I did a school shooter joke, which is oh, not oh, palatable. Yeah, and this yeah, yeah. this you woman better, that better be well crafted. Well, it was it was mm. for, I thought it was well crafted. This lady did not. But I thought uh, it was uh, well executed. If it you was will. it was well executed. Yeah. Thank you. Good but I, I started it and I didn't even it wasn't it's not super obvious about school shooter, but I just said school shooter yeah. like just randomly. Right. And this lady stood up in the back and went, just started saying no. No, 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 over and over again. As she left the building, just kept going, no, no, over and over again. And I did just like, at that point, I'm like, wow. fuck this joke. Let's just move on. You could like hear that was a good That was a good yeah. thing to do. Yeah, wow. because I'm not going to try to like stick it to her. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you didn't know it was a hilarious joke. Alex about walked the yeah. table, remember, right yeah. off the bat as a host. Yeah. Uh, oh, the first yeah, two minutes at, right. a, at a charity show we did at uh, did. Gold yeah, Coast right. Eagle. Yeah, uh, last I, walked fall. A, I walked a whole table whole in table. five minutes. Less like, than five. What was, <laughs> what, was the, uh, what was the bit? 
I, I think again, it was more the accumulation of everything. <laughs> I, I, I think really it was that one things. of uh, that's a t that's a bit of a thinker, especially if you're retarded. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, you let the R let the R word go. Yeah, yeah. Out of benefit, shouldn't do that at a special Olympics. Say, <laughs> yeah, that's a tough I say a lot yeah. of anti-Semitic stuff. <laughs> exactly. oh, God, probably not the best thing to do. I have one joke about getting my dad um, a flashlight as a present for my mom's birthday. And that got a lot of, they were like, ew, that's disgusting. Like, you, yeah. you're, you're talking about getting your dad a sex toy. That's gross. I think it's very funny. But some people apparently don't. And I do remember noticing, like, kind of a twinge uh, in their I'll eye, you, hearing some of these I words. was uh, I was at that, and my favorite part of that show, there was uh, Austin Young, who's been on the podcast before. He's this yep. giant, big, big white dude. And there was another he's guy. A, he's one of our doormen. One of our doormen. One of our security guys. One Amazing. Of our, and then another, another oh, open micer. I remember micer. this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> another, another open micer named Jay Coleman is also built the exact oh, same yeah. way. Big black dude could have also been our doorman. Like, he's just right, giant. Right. So uh, I think it was Give Austin. Give me his number. Austin goes up first, does his set. Or was it Austin or? Is Jay, or I think Austin was before Jay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, so Austin goes up, does his thing. Then Jay Coleman goes up, does his thing. And Alex comes up and goes, Wow, that was crazy. Actually, that last guy was just uh, the first big white guy just in blackface. <laughs> and silence. Silence. And I'm in the back, and I just started gasping for air, laughing, and I start clapping in the back just to support them. And then finally, like, they loosened up a little bit, and they all start laughing. It was a great fucking joke. I heard you what? you and JJ saved me because that just <laughs> did nothing, yeah, just complete to. silence. And I heard you and JJ cracking up, and yeah. I was oh, thanks. Somebody made a noise. Such a good God. joke. But the fact it's those it's those dog whistle words, those trigger words, like yep. black black face is like, what did you say? Are we allowed to laugh at that? Mm. Uh, and it goes through all these different like filters almost. And, and it was an older crowd. Sure it was a well, and older crowd. Built, and, and, and the whole understand you guys are at the other end of this. When I first started, any yeah. of that stuff would have just been. Yeah. I mean, that would have been no brainer. But as a host, yeah. you know, you know what was a stock joke here in Sarasota? back then that you couldn't do in a million years now i mean you know you could yeah. but was that did you hear about the blackout on longboat key saturday night they caught him yeah. and yeah. that that was a stock joke wow. stock joke easy. big laugh easy easy joke and you think now and that's something that i've seen with mine and al's generation of comedians the ones of us that started in the 80s you know, when comedy first got booming across the United States. And, yes, there was definitely uh, uh, racial jokes, gay bashing yeah. jokes. Gay bashing uh, jokes. Jokes about women that were totally a part of the comedy club, you know, about what – they were part of stock, what would be stock material, yeah. you know, that was just easy laughs, you know what I mean? that nobody thought anything about at least you well i guarantee you there were people that there was a period of time in the 90s when uh i had a lot of uh, the gay community come to my club and or, or that i would meet just and go come to the club and they go eh, comics are into gay bashing hmm. and that and that's just it's a part of comedy is gay bashing it was like well, a general it perception. It was. Had. It was a part of comedy. And yeah, really um, using the word fag in a comedy show, nobody. Look at uh, Eddie Murphy Raw. Yeah, you nobody thought anything yeah, about it. Yeah, you know, was, it was like yeah, to use back then to use words like fag and retard. He probably used and, 30 words and, uh, in his 30 yeah, words in the special. Yeah, he exactly. Hard, yeah. And, and, uh, and to, to just 
to to uh, treat women in a really you know uh, base level way. I mean that was just a part of it. Comedy's gotten some more sophisticated, and it's good. And the reason that has happened is because you you if you want to gain those audiences as part of who comes to the clubs, mm -hmm. you you can't you can't allow that. And I'll see some of these older comics that sometimes it'll be a comic that maybe I hadn't seen in 15, 20 years, you know, and now they've moved to Florida or something like that. And their act hasn't really changed much. It's the same basic act they were doing mm -hmm. 30 years ago, right? And they'll get up and they'll do stuff that, that just completely turns the audience off. And I know they don't know that their material is dated in that way. Yep. That that won't that well, doesn't fly anymore. You know. But you know, last the thing about it was is when we, or at least when I started, the whole goal was to get forty five minutes that you could repeat yes. night after night, absolutely, and you never changed it. Mm. I mean, the whole mm. idea mm. of moving up the ladder as a now, I can't speak to the L.A. or New York comics, but as a you know, I was a I'm a road dog comic, you yeah. know. Who, just went everywhere and all you did was your act night after night pretty much word for word insert you know dingy little city that was close by wherever you were mm. to make that little reference joke kind of yeah. thing and that was what and the whole idea was you get your 45 now you're a headliner you can make your money and that was it. Well, you could come into any city right. and, and, and a new club, mm -hmm. and as soon as you get there, you chum up to whoever you meet first, you know, you get talking with, and you go, where's the gay bar? Right. What's the gay bar? What's the black section of town? What's the rich section of town? Where's Where the do the prostitutes park? hang out? Where do the red, what's the redneck little right. city outside of here? What's the titty bar? You know, you could, you got, you got that basic lay of the land because you had all these stock jokes yeah. that were a good 10 minutes at least of your act mm -hmm. that were solid, always work. No, they're tricks. They're just, they're, there, it's like it's almost like setting people up in the audience. It's like shortcuts, you know? almost. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. Exactly. And there's there's no question that comedy has adapted. As society has gotten better. And oh yeah. Marginalized groups that were unfairly, you know, assassinated by by comedy at that point. But I think what what annoys most comics today is you tend to have it going way past that, where you have people getting offended on behalf of of groups that they think are being insulted, or jokes that don't make the the thing the butt of the joke the way the person sees but you know i gotta it. tell you this mitch I, and and there is a certain amount of that but but i will say this if a joke is well crafted that's what i was about to say you can get away with murder yeah you can get away with murder i watched louis ck do it I mean, hardest I've ever laughed in my life is watching him. Yes, I mean, when, 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 my life. one of his lines was he literally goes, "All right, let's do twenty uncomfortable minutes on retarded yeah. people." Yeah, <laughs> he prepared you for that, right? Yeah. Well, and, and yeah. you know when he does when he did the bit about um, in Africa, oh God, yeah. in oh Africa, God. you know, and this is a real thing. It's real. There was a period of time, and I think it still exists today, that some cultures believe that a grown man having sex with a baby will cure AIDS. Yeah. And, of course, the 
the punch on that is the fact that he goes, so now there's a big education on the fact that in Africa that having sex with babies will not cure AIDS. He goes, that is not why you don't have sex with babies. Yeah, like that's Okay, the end of- <laughs> yeah. you know, and in, in that obvious thing. But now one night when he was here, because he did, God, six or seven shows? Eight shows. Eight shows. Yeah. Um, there was one crowd, and weirdly, I believe, I, I can't remember what night it was, but it was one crowd. It was a, 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 a and just one in particular that was a little tight. Yeah, they were just a tight crowd, and you know they're Louis C.K. fans. Yeah, you know, but they were a little tight, and they had been the whole show, and he got to that bit, and he started into it. He started into the setup, and about just five or six words into the setup, he went. You know what, gang? However he would have said it. You know what, everybody? I just can tell this is not going to land well with you guys. <laughs> and, he, and, you know, that's not usually a lot of comics that are that type of comic. They're going to do, do it all, whether love it or hate it. Yeah. You know, walk you. You know, Doug Stanhope. There's a guy that mm-hmm. could. Doug was a, is the type of guy that goes in and going, hey, man, I might walk half this crowd. Mm-hmm. We but saw I, him but at I'll the stick to it, you know. Yeah. Bill Hicks used to be yeah. that way. I mean, Hicks was the first guy I ever watched walk 40, 40 people a show yeah. At, yeah. at our comedy club in Chattanooga. So, so you want, With brilliant material. Fucking yeah. great shit. Okay, so you want the, <laughs> you want, you want the uh, six degrees of separation right there. My – I – quote unquote graduated from open mic nights in New Orleans and Baton Rouge and the the head, the town to go get your next step was Houston uh, right. so you would go to Houston they would line you up at the comedy workshop in Houston and it was always the owner would call blah 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 they like so I I made it you know my big my big set in Houston all right, so I walk in on a Thursday night. I'm just going to interrupt you on this so people listen and go, that's where Hicks started. Exactly. Yeah, that was his home club. So right. who who do I follow? Hicks. Bill Hicks. <laughs> By the time he started with a room, I, I want to say there were 65, 70 people. By the time he was done, there was less than 30, and they were scattered <laughs> everywhere. And they said, this is a new guy from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Let's welcome Al Ernst to the stage. And me and my little, you know, crappy-ass jokes. And it was just, you know, just, you know, going from this edgy, brilliant stuff that people, a lot of people in Houston, you know, hated. Oh, yeah. Hated, yeah. you know. And uh, Yeah, uh, Bill was. Yeah. You I, know, he was one. Of, and, and, you know, for people that don't know Bill Hicks, I mean, if you go to Europe – the stand-up comedy in Europe, he's he's Richard Pryor over there. Yeah, wow. I mean he is he is that, yeah. you know. And um, but you know Ron Shock, God yeah. God love them both. Uh, one of my Ron played our club first, and then he goes he goes you know Les, you need to bring in this buddy of mine Bill Hicks. And we're going okay cool. <laughs> you know you're funny as shit. We'll bring in Bill. You know. Oh, did he play the old club on? Yeah, no, he played our Chattanooga club. Okay. This was a comedy catch in Chattanooga. It was like 1986, 87, right yeah. in there. Yeah. And uh, 
So, you know, Hicks is walking people every show. But like I say, and, and it, this summed it up. Me and the, the, uh, the guy who was the owner at the time, Ken Sons, my partner, Ken had the best thing. We're sitting in the back. It's like the third show. We're watching people get up and leave. And Ken goes, you know what needs to be done with that guy? Because we don't know Hicks from shit. He was just a guy that was recommended by Shock and a couple of the Houston guys that we used, Carl Falkenberry yeah. and Stephen J. Moore and some of that bunch. And um, he goes, so, uh, so he goes, you know what needs to be done with that guy? He needs to be locked in a padded cell with magic markers so he can't kill himself and plenty of paper. And then he can pass out that really brilliant material to someone who is responsible to do it. But that was when Hicks was still drinking alcohol. Right, right. There was drunk Hicks and there was sober Hicks. And, you know, sober Hicks was still edgy but not mean. When he got – when he got – when he got that, he got that mean edge to him. You Didn't know. Sam Kinison come out of Houston around that same oh, yeah. time? Yes, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a hot scene. Yeah, yeah. Brett oh, Butler, young, Jimmy young Pineapple. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mike Vance. Yeah, Mike Vance. Yeah. yeah you, had, you had Houston was like a Mecca town. Yeah. And, and, in fact, at one point, uh, there were five full-week rooms wow. that were in Houston. Yeah. You could Carl Fogenberry said that group, that group that they were so hard on you as a comedian yep. it's like when you got up to work out you know because they had so many comedians there back then it, it was all like going to showcase clubs you know yeah. it wasn't a three three act show it was you know it's like when you go to la and new york or where you know there's there's 10 15 comics all doing 15 minutes you know working on stuff this that and the other if you if the comics in the back if you got up there and dared to do a street joke or anything stock, they would yell at you. I mean, they would stop. The comics would fucking yell at you. They oh, would yeah. stop your fucking act. Mm. Hack! Yeah. <laughs> they, would, they would fucking assault you. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like you're here to be, you know, we, we're known for this, you know. Yeah. But uh, I, I appreciate that. I would hate to be on the receiving end, but I kind of appreciate that in a weird way. The oh. fact that yeah, you gotta some keep, comics were willing gotta keep to keep your that. check. You know, that remember? was an incredible yeah. group that came out of yeah, there. That's for sure. sure. That's for sure. You know, I want to back up a little bit. I'm curious because y'all were talking about the charity gig you did that ended up being weird. You know, just everybody had. Um, so you're at because I've experienced this. You're at. You're not in a comedy club. No. You're doing a charity event. It's a banquet room. So yeah. people are not. People are there for the charity. They're, the comedy is part of the charity, but they're there to support the charity. Mm -hmm. So they're not the same as a comedy club crowd. So in my, it, to me, if someone calls me and says, hey, can you put together a show for a charity event? And I'm going, okay, well, you know, it needs to be clean. And they come back and go, no, it doesn't. And you know what my answer to them is? Yes, it does. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. No matter how much you think your crowd, I've had country clubs where we show up, you know, and they'll, and I'm sure Al, you've done it too. You walk in, they go, "Hey, man, this is a loose club. They've been to comedy clubs. Just do what you do." And I go, "I know what to do." 
you can't when you're on their turf right in a in a country club or a charity event if you do the thing about it is everybody's concerned about everybody else too you know what i mean they kind of know each other so it's like you know here's a good example my my uncle my favorite uncle uncle jug uncle jug uncle jug he uh he was a he was a he played college football when they wore leather helmets and no fucking face masks. <laughs> he he played he was in korea in the war he was a big hunter fisherman guy yeah. he was a tough guy but a great guy and he cussed like a motherfucker he god damned it he all you know but and his wife my aunt bobby was his, I never heard her say damn, ever, ever. Yeah. And they loved each other to death. But th- that was just the thing. And around the house, he cussed. Well, they went to go see Bob Hope. Came to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Right. They go see Bob Hope, right? And Bob Hope, in a joke, about halfway in, said, God damn it, in his joke. It was the only profanity in his entire show. But as soon as he said, God damn it, in the Bible Belt, you know, a big chunk of that. He lost the crowd, and a big chunk of that crowd got up and left, and they left. And they were, I mean, they were angry. They were like, when they got home the next day, that was, they couldn't believe it. It was, I mean, Bob Hope, who they just, I mean, America loves, and da-da-da-da-da. They couldn't believe it. And they're sitting there talking about and I go, and I was a teenager then, and I go, but Uncle Jug. You say God damn it every fourth word. <laughs> he goes, he goes, yeah, in my house around people that I know. He goes, he said it in front of my wife. I say, you said it in front, you say it in front. He goes, yes, but he doesn't know my wife. He doesn't know. He didn't care if it offended anyone in that room. That was his attitude. He didn't care about us he just said it without care you know what i mean and i don't want another man i don't want another man standing cussing in front of my wife even if i do okay now i know that's totally like you sit there and you go well that just doesn't even make sense sense. but to a certain sensibility it does and i think you run into that when you go into those kind of events and you're not really clean yeah, plus yeah. You, you realize quickly that we assume as comics, and most of us were comedy nerds coming up, so we, uh-huh. we follow it so closely, we assume they've seen live comedy before or watched it, and a lot of times no, they, they've never they have seen no it exposure whatsoever. You Especially in this area. You can't assume yeah. that. You, you so want, it's almost like the improv experience. Well, you want, a, you want something even more, another level up? Do a, a company event. Oh, yeah. Do comedy. Edit. Now, I can give you a great, this is a less story. Uh, in that they sent me uh, because in the old you know the old system days they would hire companies would call you guys and want to book comedians and yep. you had several I went on several gigs for you guys that, well and you're calling the clean comics right that's who you call that's who you call you don't even call anybody that you don't feel 100% sure not only that can work clean but understand what clean is a lot of I, I would take younger comics sometimes. I go, you got to be clean, and they're like, no problem, okay. And they get up there, they don't cuss, they don't cuss, 
but they start talking about sex. Yeah. They start talking about things that you go, mm. <laughs> That's not, but I didn't. You didn't say fuck, but you talked about fucking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay? But, <laughs> Same but, what, thing. but what happens is, yeah, <laughs> is that that group looks at the boss. That's exactly right. Yeah. And doesn't look at you. And if the the only way you can win that crowd is if the boss is laughing. Yeah. Right. You know, and those mm-hmm. are the things that you learn immediately. And and. You don't take the bait when they say, oh, you know, I'm the boss. You can make fun of me. No. My dad, my dad told me one time, he goes, he goes, if you're entertaining to the troops and there's 5,000 infantry guys sitting there and that's who you're entertaining. He goes, guess who you're playing to? The general sitting in the back. He goes, you are, you are. And I tell you, here's where I got one that worked in my benefit on one of those. Um, Pepsi, which is PepsiCo, is rolling out a new product. So as part of their new product, right before, is in December, right before Christmas. As part of their new product rollout, they had decided, and this was back, this was back in the early 90s. Uh, and uh, as part of their product rollout, and this is me and Pam had just had the club going a couple of years. We opened in 88. This might have been right around 90. And so we're just getting going, you know. We're just – we're living in a little apartment, you know, and, you know, just trying to make ends meet. And uh, so they called me and they said, um, we're, we're doing these things and, and you're going to be – we're doing – they were doing, I think, nine of them in this region. Now, and you're mostly working – it's truck drive. It's deli- the, the guys that drive the trucks, you know, and we're – we we would we think it'd be cool to have comics to have to give them a comedy show for about 30 40 minutes about 40 minutes I think you're supposed to do but 40 minute comedy show and then we're going to hype up the product and this it's all a sales thing to get them all excited about this new product and pushing it and all this kind of stuff so I'm doing number 2 the first one was in Orlando the second one is in Ocala so I'm doing Ocala cuz I'm at that level there was an o- there was an Orlando <laughs> comic, and then there was an Ocala comic. So the Orlando comic was a ventriloquist who was a cruise ship act, right? So he gets up there. So here's what happens. I get to Ocala, and the four or five people who are the execs with PepsiCo uh, pull me aside and go, we got to talk to you, man. They go, look. If what happened in the show in Orlando last night happens tonight, we could all lose our jobs, like for real, for no, for real. I was like, what the fuck happened? (laughs) You know what I mean? Did he piss on you? I mean, what happened? And he goes, and all it was was this. It was a ventriloquist. You know how ventriloquist dummies are always going to pick out somebody in the front row and, you know, do that thing they do, you know. And the dummy – Every, ventri- every ventriloquist act, the dummy is saying shit that the, that the, uh, uh, that the comedian uh, it would never say. And they can't would believe ne- it either. And they, right. would ne- and they can't believe you're yeah. saying it, <laughs> yeah. how awful this is, da 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 But he's working clean, and he is. So it's 200 delivery truck drivers, right? That's who you're playing to. This goes back to the infantrymen and the general. 
and there's five corporate executives sitting up front, and one of them, only one, is a woman. He picks her out. <laughs> and he doesn't do anything overtly sexual or anything. He just starts referring to her as a chick, a babe. Oh. You know what I mean? Hey, babe. Hey. Oh you know, that kind of thing. Well, <laughs> you know, that, when that was over with, um, you know, I think they had hired him to do they, they had hired him to do another one. Well, they fired him, and then it was almost like we got to can all these comedians. And they go, well, let's do the one tomorrow in Ocala. We'll talk to the comic. We'll make sure he knows. So these motherfuckers had a fucking page of shit I could not say. A page that came from corporate headquarters. They ran through that page. And they go, what do you think? And I go, well, I know two comics that could pull this off. I go, but George Burns and Bob Hope are not available. (laughs) I said, guys, I can't say anything. I said, look, can I make fun of me? Can I make fun of being Southern? Can I just do Southern shit and make fun of being a Southern redneck and that's that kind of stuff? And they went, yeah, that should be okay. I said, and they wanted me to do 40, like a regular. I said, I can do 20 minutes. I can do 20 minutes and stay in your parameters. They went, beautiful. And they were paying me $1,500, $1,500. So, which which was a big payday yeah. for me back then, big. It was like $2 million in the 80s. Yes, it was. When you, when you round <laughs> yeah, it up, exactly right. Interest. Yeah, you're yeah. good with that. Through Reaganomics and, uh, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 you should exactly. be a financial advisor. <laughs> Yeah, for raccoons. <laughs> so, so I went up there. I did exactly that. I think I did 25 minutes. I came off. They went, perfect. Here's what we want to go over with you. There's, there's seven more of these events, right? <laughs> we want you to do them all. We're, gonna, we're going to let all the other comics go and pay them. Wow. They were going to go ahead and give them their $1,500, and give you the rest of them, which they did. And because I figured out how to play to their corporate thing right. and, and follow the thing, I finished that stuff and bought a car. Nice. Fuck so, yeah. That's, wow. how you, that's how you become a politician, too. You follow the corporate thing, and then you get your car. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's a big part of it. Look, big it, part it, of it is not show friends; it's show business. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, sorry, man. I mean, you, no. I mean, the point of the matter is, is, I, and I, I say this facetiously, but through all the years I've done this, you know, Florida Power and Light has never sent me a bill that said you were really funny this month. It's on us. <laughs> not Don't a time. Not Nothing. one time. They've, they've said we we want our we want our two hundred bucks and we want to buy. I know. X amount. They of won't even and, do trade with you. No, no. I I've mean, tried. Go yeah. look. Uh, I'll do one show a year right. for, for everybody. For MP, everybody that works for me. We'll do it at Van Wazel. You know what I mean? We'll yeah. do it at, at we'll do it at Amelie Arena. Joke I'll 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 bring other people in. Change. You know, and then you just let me have my power. Right. You know. But I mean, that's, no. Yeah, and you have to, and if you want to make a living doing this, you got to understand that's a part of the deal. 
Now, you know, you can have your, your little places you want to go to do, you know, quote unquote, your craft, which I totally respect. But in terms of when somebody hires you, especially for X amount of dollars, listen, I got, I do nothing as less know, or you guys saw, I, I don't go after anybody in the audience. You know, I'm very self-depreciating. I got a letter from the National Obesity Acceptance Organization. <laughs> yes, I do remember. That was recently. I, that wasn't was recently. Yeah, saying that I—they're not I, bears either, are they? They're not bears. They were not bears. <laughs> they're angry like bears. They were they're angry, angry bears. bears. Yeah, angry they were bears. angry, saying that I was demeaning. You know that obese people have. Uh, Which I didn't know, know like, that was a people. Like I didn't know. Like yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know. I did not know I was a minority did, group either. Yeah, mm. did we identify. But there's a lot of yeah. I I didn't know I could go in and say. This, I thought I, I was a minority. I thought I thought you and I were minorities. Super cool people for sure. Like yeah, no fat on us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like like yeah. The, the, the ones but, that are too thin. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But I I literally did. I got a I got this whole thing about about how I was degrading the image of obese people by and and I said who I, you know who did I make fun of besides myself and that wasn't their point wow well, we you got shame dude how are you degrading shamed. them by standing like, I don't get yeah you like, know by getting some form of by being you and commenting on you yeah. by comment on myself I yeah, yeah. I was, well I, I think know. it's funny that in, like they ran you through this laundry list of like things you can't say but then you're like can I shit on an entire culture? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, go for it. Yeah, so the most next. prevalent one in Ocala. Good, good to go. <laughs> in Ocala, go. In Ocala, but, yeah, go but for you, it. But so you know what? Next, you go for it. That's the last group of people comics can make fun of. Southerns, yeah. Southern. Yeah. yeah. That's that's it. Because, no, no, there's two groups yet, and we're representing this room. You can make fun of bald men and gingers. Yeah, fuck that. Nobody stands up for us. And white people. White people are... are yeah, we're free game. Tom Segura had a great yeah. bit about that in uh, well, yeah. Disgraceful, about how, like on all the You can make fun of Asians and white people, people for some reason. Because we're successful. No, you can't make fun of Asians anymore. Well, Asians are that that's out it's of like the, three months. Is ago, it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. way off. Even since the rich Asians movie well, came out. Not only that, since the COVID, the, the, the COVID virus yeah. from China. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. That's a total I'm dumber people, though. Like it was, it was you. You're like, I'm from Brooklyn. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like I don't, some people are dumb. I was reading a news article today where dummies were outside of Arizona um, hospital protesting the nurses. Right. Calling them crisis actors, crisis actors. saying they're oh, they're God. fake, yeah. they're not real, they're not real nurses. Oh, but this is this, this whole thing's a scam. This whole right. thing's made up. And well, well you know, dumb. I, I when I just did my fireside chat, yeah, you know, where I just I, I pop that up every now and then, and, and I've been doing it since the virus, and and basically it's based on most of the chat is just touching base with our people. You know, I'm I'm really I'm not trying to play to the any, anything beyond our people right here in Sarasota that might be wondering what the hell is going on. But I just want people to go, hey, man, from a small business owner's point of view who's trying to deal with this, who has been shut down for now a month and a half, mm -hmm. who is looking at could be could not get back to 100 percent capacity for well over a year. Well, you know, really, really think and, that? Until there's really? a vaccine. Wow. Yeah. Until there's a vaccine. That's I mean, in other yeah. words, how do you put people comfortably inside anywhere uh, with the same air circulating, knowing that mm. there is a certain amount of airborne uh, a yeah. transmission with this, yep. that how are you going to go back to 100% when there's no vaccine? I mean, it, it, and, and whether that's a comedy club 
concerts, uh, 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 sporting events, church, any any place where you congregate that many people indoors. I, I think we can get back to, I think that we can probably get back to maybe 70%. Maybe we get up to 80%. But, but now take this in consideration. When we had the, when the recession hit in 2008, and it actually really hit hit in 2009, because mm-hmm. there was actually one year of denial that we weren't really in it as bad as we were in it, mm-hmm. and people were still spending money. And then by 2009 till 2014, almost 15, we lost 25% of our business. Mm-hmm. Solid. Wow. Solid lost it. And because you lost a whole, the housing industry, mm-hmm. which means you lost the construction industry, which you lost the suppliers. I mean, and in the state of Florida, that's a big chunk of your fucking people, yep. you know. So we lost 25% of our business, right? Well, we survived. We got through it, you know. We're, I was, I'll tout us. Pam and I are conservative business people. We don't own a lot of stuff we don't own a big i don't own a big house we don't buy new cars mm-hmm. we don't we've never done that we 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 live a very comfortable lifestyle and we keep a good padding of of uh funds over here for fucking shit crazy shit happen you should this teach is that crazy to like uh boeing and uh you you know these huge companies that don't do that don't do things like that oh well the thing is is that yeah i know but but the thing that was is me getting a little political there. That's but, all right. Uh, no, that's, but Please the continue. thing is, is that you know, as far as uh, 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 you know, when are we going to get back to full capacity? You know, I mean, it, it's you're kind of looking at well, when there's a vaccine, or as I said in my fireside chat tonight, I going, hey man, Sarasota, Manatee County has about seven hundred thousand people. Well, let's just figure off the cuff, a half a million of them are maybe somewhat viable to come to a comedy club. Mm-hmm. Maybe, sort of. That's a bigger number than it is. But let's just say it's a half a million. Now, if we could test, if we could get testing ramped up to 5,000 people a day, 5,000 people a day. I mean, that's not an un... That's not a number that, that's unachievable, I think. You know what I mean? Especially you brought the National Guard in, you, you set it up. I go, now, even if it took you a month to get that ready, okay? So you started in May, and it took you an entire month to get everybody in place, new people trained on how to do the test because you'd need more people doing it, da-da-da, all that kind of shit. And you started your testing in June. By the 1st of September, we'd have a half a million people tested. By then, so you're talking about so you're talking about then by even though that's a burden on society it's a burden on us hey man that's palatable to me you know what i mean i can sit here and go okay all right you know maybe i maybe i get a chance to open by july Mm -hmm. to half capacity you know alabama right now has said in the next week or two because I talked to Bruce Ayers, who has Comedy Stardome up there. Their governor has said 35% capacity for any business. Okay? Wow. All right. That means Bruce can put 140 people in a 400-seat room. I go, 140 people spread out. 
That's so weird. In a 400-seat room. Is the, which is the worst thing for comedy. That's exactly yeah, right. So that's exactly weird, right. Man. I said, how's that going to play? I said, I know how that's going to play for me as a performer. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk to 50 of them. I'm going to go around. That's the only way I can pull them together as a crowd. And we were, we were talking about the fact that of hearing laughter through the – hearing muffled laughter through a mask – Muffled applause because you got gloves on, you know. So, you know that that and 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 you know. So, I mean, but let's just say that that's what how it happened. If we got the testing ramped up that way, then maybe we could get back to by July, August. You're 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 able to maybe if people will still come out, feel comfortable. If you can get enough people comfortable coming out. That you can start back, get your employees or a lot of a percentage of your employees working again, and hey, man, if you can just cover your nut, you know, just just break even. Hell, not break it. Hey, if you just go, I'm just losing five thousand a month. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I'm not going all the way backwards. You know, every month. You know, so and then by September, if you had that kind of testing, you go. Hey man, now we're back up to 75, 80%, you know, kind of a thing mm-hmm. coming to the club. You're not, you're going to get your, you're going to, I was talking, I broke people down into three groups. All right, first group is ultra safe, ultra safe. They are people that are worried about dying from getting this disease. I don't give a shit what the government says they can right. do, they ain't going to fucking do it. Because they're and they shouldn't, you know, and and, and they are going to stay ultra safe, okay, until you there's a vaccination, until you give them a vaccine or until somebody develops a a medication that goes if you get it, and you get on this medication you ain't going to die, yeah. okay, be rare, be beyond rare that you die. That group you've lost until you get to that point. Then you got the moderately safe people. Mm-hmm. They're the people who are going to come here wearing a mask, wearing maybe putting some gloves on. You know, just like germaphobes. You know, you ever met a germaphobe? I mean, like what? Uh, uh, Howie Mandel's a germaphobe. Mm-hmm. I remember Steve Allen, the old comic that was one of the greatest ever. His wife, who was famous, Jane Meadows, she was a germaphobe, and she ne- she never went in the public without wearing white gloves did he host the tonight show yes, yes. the first one and uh so you you it's like that you know wear cool gloves you know but but that part of the crowd's gonna have the mask on they're gonna have their gloves they're gonna be they're gonna be careful about what they touch but they might still come in and enjoy a show because they just still love comedy and they want to get out and this might be one of the i would think this might be one of the safest places you could congregate if you're going to a comedy theater that you trust the owners and the management that they're going to do all the right things to keep you as safe as possible. Then you got the percentage of people that don't give a fuck. Yeah. They don't care. They are coming in, no mask, no gloves, don't give a flying fuck at all for what either they don't believe it yeah. at all or they believe it but they don't believe it really hurt them you know, and they don't care if they get it and give it to somebody else. They just don't even give a flying fuck, you know, which, which, Hey man, you know, we would be sitting here as, as concerts and 
going, I hope there's a lot of them, <laughs> which is weird. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, so that's I think when you when you look at when you look at, you know, comedy clubs, concerts, sporting events, other major league baseball, major league baseball is completely safe. There's never more than 10,000 yeah, exactly. in a 50,000. Never, never, problem, ever. Yeah. You go to a, If you got the coronavirus at a Rays game, you're the most unlucky son of a bitch on earth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And oddly enough, it doesn't change the game, whether there's 15 people. That's exactly right. It's still yeah, just I'm like, as boring. Right. That's exactly the, uh, right. Oh, come on. I, I love the Rays. I, I love them. I'm just joking. I love in my Rays. day job as a journalist, I've been doing nothing but reporting on the uh, COVID-19 oh, for six, seven weeks now and reading uh, – Tremendous amount of medical journal studies. The problem, the unknowns in that scenario that you're talking about is ramping up testing really isn't going to tell us anything yet until we find out the real big X factor in this is does exposure confer future immunity? And we have no right. idea. That's right. So just what we're finding out now, and there's been a study in L.A. and a study in New York where we're seeing that a lot more people have antibodies in than we thought. So more people have been exposed to it than we thought, which then means that the percentage of people who die after being exposed is lower than we thought. Right. But the problem is we have no idea if they achieve immunity. And if they do, with most coronaviruses, it's for, it's for a limited period of time, usually in a 30 to 40 day window, oh, okay. uh, unlike most other communicable diseases. So that's, that's where this, this idea that testing ramp up is a magic bullet, not yet until we have a lot more information on whether or not you get immunity and how long that immunity might last. So we're still probably looking at that that's a big X factor. And then if we can get an antiviral treatment that works, because we're probably a couple of years, the record from root to fruit on a vaccine being developed for a new unknown disease is four years. Yep. Uh, that, that was mumps. But that's, right. but that's not mm -hmm. with the entire medical community working on it, right? Like, well, mumps was a, was a pretty concerted effort. That I'll say, we've never, even the space race did not have as many brilliant people right. organizing their efforts to try to discover something here. But so that's and, you, and you know the other thing, you didn't have the technology. True. So you so didn't have computers absolutely. teaching computers. So that's a that's a big plus with this. Right. But the the, the daunting part, man, as I as I learn, continue to learn more and more about what we're finding out, is it just seems that the more we learn, the more we're finding out we don't know. Well, yes, you know, my, uh, uh, my cousin's a doctor and we're the best of friends and, and we're, we're close in age, we grew up together and we talk about this and, you know, he's just, he's not an alarmist, he's a, he's a scientific head, you know, and, and just going, and, you know, we beat this up and many things, you're one of the things he said, he goes, we won't know until years after this what we did that worked. Yeah. We won't even know if the social distancing worked, right. really, mm -hmm. for years. We mm -hmm. won't know. We won't know. It'll take that. You have to get all everything in, studies, da, 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 all this kind yeah. of stuff. The bubonic plague lasted hundreds of years. Yeah, it and came, killed a third of the population of, of the years. world, yeah. and we bounced back like a motherfucker. <laughs> To yeah, the point fucking. of 7.3 trillion people. Right. Yeah. But we seem to, we seem to come back. Yeah. But, but the thing is for us is that one of the things that he commented on was that, you know, when we're looking at it and we're looking at the mortality rate of this thing, and it's looking like it's like double the flu, 
right now. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's much, much higher than that. Well, we don't know that. Uh, we, d we don't know. The, the best data suggests it's about 12 times the flu. But where do you get that number? If you look at how many people since March 1st, which so February 29th was the first confirmed COVID death in the United States. Right. So the, the best metric we have, not knowing how many people are infected, so we can't say a percentage of who gets it and lives because we have no idea other than a very limited amount of people that have been tested. And we're only testing people that are showing symptoms. Uh, symptoms. Well, I'll throw something else at you, too. That, that this is mm -hmm. just from medical community. Sure. Now, everybody that dies in New York of anything that looks like it's related to the virus, the death is attributed to the virus. Now, why do a lot of those people die? In those, a lot of them were already in bad physical health already. I mean, they were. That's a, that's a truism. You know, they were in bad health. Mm -hmm. The virus might have a – it's like a doctor told me this. He goes, all right, you come in and you're obese, you have high blood pressure, and, uh, and the coronavirus. And – or you have diabetes, the coronavirus, you know, whatever, and you die. He goes, on the death certificate, it doesn't say death by coronavirus. It says attributing factors to the death, obesity, pulmonary, respiratory, blah, 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 coronavirus, diabetes, you know. Sure. And so they go, you know, it, so there, there's, there's a lot of that within the numbers, you know, and, and, and that's, where, that's where they're going back to. You know, when it's all said and done and we're on the other side of this, we may find that it was 2%. We may find it was 12%, you know, more than flu. Right. Like we might find that. We, might, we, we're, we really don't know right now, you know, in, in that situation. One of the things that's getting ready to happen is, is we're getting ready to open up. We're getting ready to recongregate again as yeah. human beings. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. getting ready to happen because they're going to allow the state, the state, the federal government's going to allow the states to say what they want to do. Then the states are going to let the municipalities do what they want to do. Georgia's opening on Friday, right? That's right. Now, just as an example, when, the, when DeSantis said, Beaches could be open, okay? Well, that doesn't mean the beaches are open in Sarasota. One county. Though. That means Sarasota County commissioners have to decide if they want the beaches to be open, okay? Uh. So everybody gets to decide. They're, they're passing the buck down, okay? But that's not a bad thing because the, your, your, your local leaderships are going to make decisions based on their constituents, their, their population base, what they want, what they think they want. You know, they're still politicians. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to get parts of this country over the next month that are going to stay ultra safe, like New York City. They're going to stay ultra safe. We're going to have parts in Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, maybe here in Florida, that are going to start to open up more, okay, Cause start to allow more. Well, obviously, we're going to see what happens a month from now in those areas. Yeah. Just like when the protesters showed up in certain cities, 
and they're hugging each other. They ain't wearing no fucking mask. There's a thousand of them out there going, fuck you. We're going to do what we want to do. Well, trust me, the organizers of those protests also know we just said, fuck you. We're all getting together. See if the numbers go up in four weeks. See if the numbers in those cities spike. See if the death rate spikes in those cities. If it doesn't, and this doesn't mean this is right or wrong. If it doesn't, then the people that were protesting are going to go, see? Yeah, they sure. are. We got out. Nothing yeah. fucking it's happened. It's all fake. It's all fake we, Well, they're just going to go. It's not as bad as they're making it out to be. Let, sure. let me just say, if, if you don't mind, one more thing about those numbers. Uh-huh. It's really important. Spent a lot of time gathering, studying data. Okay. People are holding a lot of hope on this notion that, hey, man, they're calling everybody who dies or just saying COVID. So so it's, it's really not an accurate number. The problem with that theory and where it's been debunked by statisticians, virologists, everybody, is that you'd have to see a precipitous drop off in all of the other of the top 15 maladies that are ascribed to people when they die. You're not. And in fact, when you look over the last 60 days on how many deaths there have been on the planet and you model it compared to any other two-month period and the adjusted population, we've, and we've had a big increase of dead people in the last 60 days. And if you add all the confirmed global COVID deaths over that 60 days, it doesn't fill the gap. So what that suggests is one of two things. Either they're actually being underreported and we're not having as much, or the other big fear of it is the problem with this particular disease is it's resource intensive to treat. The hospitalizations are long, uh, the amount of seclusion they have to create to treat people is, is significant. So the outcomes on everything else that happens to you in a hospital, even in a first world country, are going to be worse. You're going to have less chance of surviving a heart attack w- when those Correct. hot spots are overwhelmed. You go into a hospital right. that is just jammed with COVID. Right. They've got entire wings sealed off. You have doctors now in quarantine because they've had accidental exposure. So you have l- less healthcare workers. In Manatee County, we've got 14 EMS workers right now on a mandatory 14-day quarantine. So they're not out driving routes. That extends the time for you to get picked up. Two minutes longer for the bus to get there. If you're not breathing, is a long time. Yeah. So th- yeah, there's a lot with of asthma. I can like uh, not being able to breathe. I'm familiar. It there's a lot of danger in 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 well, thinking that, that it's easier. I, to pass I have on personal that. experience with it because I had surgery two days ago mm. at, wow. in in Manatee County, and uh, I can tell you, you know that that hospital was was completely uh, it was Blake. Yeah. And it, I mean the where where i had my surgery which normally would require a two-day stay they they got they they got me in and was wheeling me out within you know four hours yeah so we're making different kind of decisions on people's health care because of the allocation of resources if we see if we open up too fast people are making a mistake and thinking there's this binary choice where we save the economy or we save the people and they're like, well, if people are going to die anyway, let's save the economy. It's a false choice because the cost, if we have a massive spike because we open up too fast, we're going to then have to go right back into quarantine for a much longer period of time. And the money with the $4 trillion we spent already goes right down the but, drain. But you know what, Mitch? Zero. You might be exactly right. What's going to happen is they're going to do that. Sure. Okay. At some point. That is what's going to happen for because sure. we don't have – a 
we don't live in an authoritarian government that can go everybody has to do this we don't live that way yeah our freedoms are going to fuck us uh, a bit. well that's true that's a little bit true in in the united states of america we have an independence that is it, an individual guarded, that is that we have an individual independence here that could be our downfall. that will well here's what the thing is it it if if mitch is right more people are going to die because of that more people are going to die sure and uh and we'll we'll do this in waves we'll do it in waves it, it'll it really will just go in in waves and that's that's really what's happening right now is that there's no because we're not we're not just going to take one you know a uh, uh, group of uh, uh one one body of information and go that's it and that's what we've got to do yeah. We're not going to do that. What we're what we've done now is we've allowed people to to what we're getting ready to do is go. We're going to allow you to have your individual freedom somewhat, okay? And we're going to allow you to live in some risk. We're going to let you. We're going to let you. We're going to let you do it. You know. And like I say, it's going to happen in different societies, different ways. You know what I mean? It, it is. We're getting ready to see it. We're getting ready to see it in the next month. Yeah. You know. And so, so, and you know, right or wrong, I mean, let's put it this way. You go, if, if you're wrong, if that's totally wrong, all right, then what's going to happen is more people are going to die. There, yeah. More people are going to die. There's going to be spikes. There's going to, it's, it's going to be, we're going to see more New York City situations, you know, even in smaller towns and all that kind of and stuff. And the economics then is worse. Because... Than- because we we've, we've uh, because we've opened up too soon. I think May first we're gonna. I think and, we'll start to uh, see defaults. But and but the like thing is, you're gonna roof. see it in pockets because the economy's not the, the it's not gonna open up the same way all over the country. No. It's gonna open up more in certain areas, you know. And you're gonna be able to watch. And I'm sure people that are you know the scientific community, you would hope, you know, is directly pinpointing those communities. Now, here's my old point is, say you don't do that in America. Now, you just say, nope, this is what, what Mitch said is exactly right. We need to stick to this. It may be months, and that's that. Well, we saw what happened recently with the protesters. That's, that is what you're going to open yourself up to. And are you yes. going to – then do you go into a martial law situation where you have troops on the streets – that are that's how China for, that it. are forced that's exactly right do you go into that situation i mean it, it's a it's just a clusterfuck however you look at it so it's almost like it's almost like in this i wasn't for them opening up this soon i don't i mean if they said hey you can open up the comedy club may the first i ain't opened up the fucking comedy club may the first i know that's wrong yeah you know it's not right and i always said i'm not following what politicians say i'm following what the cdc says i'm following what the scientists say yeah. you know i'm listening to what they're saying and and then and then kind of going along with that and so we're we're going to see this go however it goes i mean you know there's 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 that school of thought which mitch was saying and then 
there, there's a school of thought, and I've gotten this from medical people. I mean, really smart medical people that go, you know what, man? This might be four times more deadly than the flu. I don't know. Where it's ten times this. If we take the numbers, we're looking at this. It might be something we have to live with. And you just have to decide how much risk are you going to sure. take to go out into society. I just don't know that people are envisioning because living with it in a way that it's actually going to happen. So when you look at things like, look at how many meat processing plants close this week. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a real glut in there where we have the meat, but in these places where you have to be close together, we're having nothing but spikes. Look at when you look at the uh, retail grocery industry and they're saying we're having a really hard time keeping employees in here because these are places where people are getting essential services of food, but when we're putting a bunch of people together uh, and, and you're around them all the time, even with the mask and the gloves, we're, our people are getting sick. So when you look at it and you say, all right, we're having enough time just keeping the supply chains moving with everything that we're doing, with all the precautions, if they go away and now we have these massive spikes and trucks can't get where they can get to, we don't have enough people in warehouses and you can't get the goods anyway, it's not just that more people are dying, it's this fantasy that people think, well, aside from the dying, everything's gonna go back to normal, where it's not. It's actually gonna be worse than it is now from an economic standpoint and from a quality of life standpoint, because even though you can leave, if all those things lock up, you life hasn't gotten much better. Well, you here's, the right, right. and here's the thing, Mitch, with all of that you got to come up with a plan for that that doesn't leave everybody in food lines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the deal. I mean, you can sit here and say that all day long. Sure. There will be a point where if, I mean, when you see two-mile food lines already in cars. You're that, right, you're right. When but you but, see but that, then closing them down will be four-mile food lines later. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying that you're right. going to no. get a I don't give a shit sure. at a point you're going to get a point where people, I guarantee you, go, it won't kill me. It won't kill me. It's not killing most people. That's going to be the mm -hmm. attitude. You go, even at 12%, you go, it ain't killing most people, okay? So there, you, if you stomp everything down to where nobody at a point where you go, it, months and months and months have gone by, and people are, you know, struggling for food, and they're going to get to be a point where going back to the people I know in the medical community, they might go, this might just be the reality of how things are now. People die mm -hmm. from this virus, and a lot of people die from this virus, like polio, like smallpox, yes. like things we've had over history, that we didn't have vaccines for for a long fucking time and it popped up in groups and it was devastating when it happened but 90 percent of the population doesn't die and i mean and when you look at 10 percent 12 percent we all know that's a massive number mm -hmm. It's a massive number it's like of six holocausts, death, yeah. of death. It's crazy. But it is that thing of, you know, how do we, and, you know, and that, that's where it's a little, it's been a little, you know, that's what I've been fighting like crazy and writing shit and putting stuff out. And I've got a, I've got a, I'm, tomorrow I got a, 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 a phone call with the U.S. Uh, um, 
uh, Chamber of Commerce vice president in charge of small business policies, mm -hmm. you know, to, f to figure out where there's advocacy and how we can start to come up with a plan. Because from the very beginning, y'all, from the very beginning of this, I've hyped it. I go, I said to everybody, I go, I might not be able to be even open for over a year. That could happen. Mm -hmm. That could happen to a business like mine and a lot of businesses. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Now it's looking like I don't believe that's true. I believe we'll go to half capacity, 60%, 70%. I believe it's going to ramp that way, you know what I mean, over a period of time. Uh, it, I, I believe is how it's going to happen because otherwise you're just talking about, you know, to the, the – the, you're, you're, you are talking about the fact that you're going to have more devastation on the other side than on this side. You know, there will be that point where you're going, okay, 12% die, let's go on a high end. 12% will die of COVID, but 50% are out of work and are in food lines. What's, where's the balance? And, and that number, to be clear, I wasn't saying 12% would die. It's, it's roughly over those 60 days. It's about a factor of twelve to one over flu deaths during during that same time. Yeah, yeah. So we're so, gonna get we're gonna get a year's worth of flu deaths in the first two months. Um, and to give perspective, when that two month period ends at the end of this month, we will have lost more people if you accept the CDC's numbers than we did in the entire Vietnam War. Right. Oh, globally, right? No, in the no, United States, just, just we'll, the, we yeah. will have lost more Americans. Fifty-eight thousand people perished in Vietnam. We will be over sixty by that point. Yeah, That's a staggering, been, staggering. Yeah, statistic. they've already upped the, you know, because they lowered it down to sixty thousand. Yeah. Now they're upping it because we're, we're getting close well, to it, and we're uh, losing over two thousand. Well, here's states. the thing: is a month ago, me and my cousin are talking about this, and as I'm beginning to realize, I'm gonna have to close my business down and all that stuff. So we're sitting there, and and he's just learning about it, you know. He going, okay. He goes. We lose, every year, we lose 25, 30,000 people to the flu. We've had bad flu. About 55,000, actually. So it's yeah, not, yeah. yeah. It's about well, 55,000. Okay. Average. And we've had bad flu seasons where we've mm -hmm. lost 60, you know, or yep. 70,000 people to the flu. He goes, now that's with a vaccine. Mm -hmm. That's with vaccines, which people don't take. Sure. He goes, people don't take the flu seriously. I mean, they really don't. They, most people, when you, you go, are you afraid of catching the flu? No. Most people are not afraid of catching the flu. They are not. Mm -hmm. He goes, and they should be. <laughs> you know, it's, it, can really, it can really hit somebody hard. Well, remember, though, by the same token of what you said earlier, that applies to the flu and that most of those people that are lost have comorbidity factors. They're sick with other things. They yeah. get a flu when they're old and infirm. But that's, but that's the same way with the coronavirus. That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah so yeah, I'm yeah. saying that, that it's similar in that way. Yeah. And it's problematic in the sense that what has been challenging with the flu, what we've got to hope doesn't happen with this, is it is so effectively mutates that the vaccines aren't very effective because we have to predict a certain strain and, and sure. make that, that year's sure. you know, toward But the it. point being is, People die of the flu. Sure. This is not the flu. It's not. It's something else. It's new. That's that's what it, that's what we talk about. He goes, it's new. We don't know. We don't know. That that's the reason we're doing what we're doing. We don't know. We just don't know. And and as far as that goes, but 
you know, people, people aren't afraid of the flu, and they should be. It's a, it's a devastating yeah. disease. Um, so, you know, when it, when it all comes down to it, I think that, you know, I'm just looking at, I'm just looking at how can we get through this? How can we get through this in a way we can't stay on lockdown for the next 18 months, People can't two even do it years, yeah, yeah, we can't do it. It, it just, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And there is a point, I think, you know, there was a point where early on where one of the, one of the uh, 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 press people asked Trump, you know, uh, what's a, what is a, is there a number of deaths that is, you know, okay? Or, well, of course he said no, of course, as any body would in that situation but of course there is a number of deaths that is that I mean, when they talk about you're at war with a disease it's like going to war when you go to war you oh, know question, you question. know there's going to be a certain and there's going to be deaths associated with the yes. economic part so I, I absolutely don't want to be in any way come off insensitive to that because you're going to have rises in suicide you're going to have rises you're going to have less people with access to health care so you're going to have you're going to have offsetting deaths from the economic devastation no question right. right what's going to be interesting to me is to me with this kind of this kind of entertainment with with concert entertainment mm -hmm. whether it's in a 100 seat room or a 300 seat room or a 2000 or 5000 or 10000 yeah, like what I was playing before the exactly. shutdown. Exactly, before yeah. all this bullshit happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, uh, it is good. I hope you saved your money. <laughs> <laughs> I um, spent it all on raccoon shit. But, you know, for, for this kind of thing, you know, uh, what's going to be interesting is human nature. Is human nature. Just seeing when we say, okay, all right, you can open up the comedy club again, okay? You can, you can congregate now in groups of... 200 or whatever inside a room together and watch a comedy show oh, tomorrow um, please. you know and and when that happens and a, a lot people of people still do it yeah. and a lot of people feel like that's going to happen before the year's out mm -hmm. okay oh, that that's going to happen before this year's out what's going to be interesting is who comes yeah who right. comes out you know for that and you know i i don't know this is different it's different from 9-11. It's mm -hmm. different from the recession situation. But to what I've seen in the human nature of people, and I don't I'm not saying Americans. I'm going people. People have a need to congregate yeah. together. And I think that there will be, I think that what you'll see is, is that, It'll only be the people who really feel that if they catch this, it could kill them. That, I mean, really feel like, hey, man, I definitely have a compromised immune system. For some reason, if I catch this, this could kill me. They will be the people that mostly will decide not to do this. I think most everybody else will go, I'm getting back to my life. Right. And you know what? When it comes down to it, the most dangerous thing I'm going to do going to the comedy club tonight is not going to the comedy club. It's driving to yeah. the comedy club. 
the most dangerous thing I'm going to do every day is get in my car. Yeah. That kills more people than I mean, it doesn't kill more than disease. But when you but but About after thirty thousand, but after disease, it, it's well, it's one and a half million a year globally. Right, it's three hundred and thirty. Three thousand three hundred and something a day, die in a car accident globally. Globally, it's a lot. It's it it it. Yeah, I went through the. I, I looked up those numbers, uh, 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 and in 2016, uh, you know, most people die of uh, heart disease. Uh, number one, uh, heart disease, two, right? Yeah. Then it's cancer pulmonary stuff. cancer. Mm-hmm. Those are your three tops, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know, then a few other diseases. Then car accidents is next. Suicide is right up there close. Homicide is half a suicide. Yeah. And war conflict is a quarter of suicide, half of homicide. You know, so. Me, man, me slaying rooms is like number 12. Let's get back to these raccoons. <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten heavy on this. Yeah. No, but you know, I, this is what I know. This is what we do. Just want to do talk about and and this, that, and the other. And on, on the comedy end, Les, you have your finger on the pulse of that more. Yes. What's the sense you're getting in terms of club owners? Let's say best case scenario, we're back at at full capacity by November. Do you think we're going to lose a lot of clubs though in the industry? Um, well, you know what? It's like anything else. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. If the government would do this the right way, we shouldn't. Um, but it, it, it's all about any business. How much money do you have in reserves to hang? I mean, you know what I mean? What kind of deal can you cut with your landlord, with utilities, with, you know, with all the, th- the overhead that you have so that you can hang and stay, stay in it, you know, as long as you can? Um, you know, uh, it's on my Facebook page. As a matter of fact, Sarah Sarah Herald Tribune published my whole proposal in their editorial thing, which was way yeah, over 250 yeah. words. So you read it. Yeah, I did. You read what I thought. Mm-hmm. That's the key. That's the key to all small businesses and most businesses staying open through this is that if we can just put the economy on hold, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and just simply go, and I mean, I've said this ad, ad nauseum, I, but it, I know that repetition is how it happens, and it's what I'm going to be going over with the guy tomorrow. You know, I got my money today, the, so come Monday, I'm going to be able to cut paychecks for two months, okay? Comics are still out of work. And in two months, am I going to be open? Hmm, I don't know. I wouldn't, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not high on comedy clubs popping open in July, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, 100% in November? 70%, maybe, you know? But but that could get you back to where you're you're paying bills, you know, kind of a thing. Um, but you know, are you going to lose comedy clubs? You might. But here's the whole thing on that: if if a comedy club has been successful in a city for over ten years, over ten, over a decade, has been successful. Okay, solid. That's a solid room that's lasted ten years. Well, and the comedy club owner that has it doesn't have enough reserves, can't leverage enough money if this thing lasts six, eight months, you know, to keep his, keep his business and loses that business, okay? All right? 
Well, guess what? As soon as the economy gets clicking back pretty close to normal, somebody else is going to come right in and just take it. Yeah. Because it's already a proven moneymaker. Right. Okay? And yeah. guess who will come in and take it? Well, Somebody yeah. with a lot of money. Private equity. That's so what all you've done is do. you've just, when you allow that, if you allow that to happen a lot, whether it's a successful club or restaurant or, People's I don't know, auto parts store, you know, whatever is being a solid moneymaker, well, if I'm smart and I live in that community and I've got, Fifty million dollars, and I'm still in there making money and da da da. I'm gonna be watching those businesses that go down, mm -hmm. and I go, can I replicate that? As soon as we, as soon as things get, can I rep? Because if if that guy that w did that man or woman that did own it doesn't have deep enough pockets or the ability to go get the loans and all that kind of stuff, when everything gets clicking back, I already have the money. Do you remember my? So that, uh, I just want to say. All you're doing there is you're consolidating wealth again. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember Michael Milken, the junk yeah. bond guru oh, in the sure. 1980s? I was listening to an interview with him like a week ago on CNBC, and he was talking about how right now is a golden age for private equity firms. And the process he was describing as to why that's the case is exactly what you were just saying: is that a lot of these small, medium-sized businesses they're 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 having trouble. And then these firms with this $4.25 trillion line that they've gotten from the Fed are going to go in and buy this shit out of everything. Like big firms like Blackstone and the Carlisle Group did to Homes, how Blackstone became the biggest sure. uh, landlord in 2009 was through that same process. Absolutely. It ha we, saw it, we saw it happen during the recession. You know, after that, the, the houses were, were just, they just buy these things up at, you know, at a at, you know, dime on the dollar. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, uh, trading in the stock market right now. Well, you'll see the stock market went up. Well, who the fuck's trading in the stock market right now? Dead cat Well, I guarantee bounce. you, it's only people that got 10 or more million dollars. You know, they're the ones that are, that are still buying stocks. Well, maybe five or more million dollars. But you're in that level. You know what I mean? You're up at that level. Not the wrong thing to do. It's the right thing to do if you're in that situation. It's what you should do. If you're a capitalist, yeah. It, well, it, you, you know, you it's what money. you should do. It's smart, you know. And the community wants that business. They've already said they want that business. They've been supporting it for years. They want it. They want it back. Okay, well, if Les McCurdy can't reopen... Well, then the other guy comes in and reopens. The community, for a little while ago, hey, we miss it's less and Pam, but as long as they come in here and put on good shows and do the thing, after a while, that's what it is. So, you know, that, that's what is written. In, I've got that all in my proposal that's on my Facebook page. That's all in there, you know, of the ramifications of this. You know, in this particular situation, you know, the thing is, is that if we just defer bill paying, if we just defer bill paying out until, like they could just, like right now just go, and uh, is, here's, here's how simple this could fucking be. And, and I want to say when I say this, I've run this by conservative, super conservative business people and liberal business people on both ends of the spectrum people who run successful small business and people who run successful big businesses. I've run this by a bunch of these people. 
everybody, no one has said this is a bad idea. But I can't get it. I can't even get news to talk about it. Except for the, thank God, Sarasota Herald Tribune did, you know. But other than that, I can't. I've sent this to, you know, you can go through, and people don't know how, and you do, Mitch. You know how easy it is to get emails of the people that run the television shows sure. at NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox. Uh, NBC is MSNBC, CNN, you know, Fox News. Uh, you know, you can... You just go contact. There they come up. I mean, you can send an email to Anderson Cooper, Rachel Maddow, uh, uh, Hannity, right to them, you know. I have <laughs> to all of them. Nobody, no one motherfucker has even mentioned this shit. They've talked around it a little bit. But the thing about it is, is that you just go, okay, you go, you go to the end of this year, to the end of this year, this calendar year, you, we have a website created, federal website. You go in there and you say, my business has closed because of the national emergency pandemic. McCurdy's Comedy Theater closed. Closed on this date, okay? Here's, here's how much I made you know, here's my tax information for the past whatever, three years or whatever. Here's my bills, all of them. And I got nothing coming in, all right? And they go, okay, you're approved. You're approved. Now here's what you're approved for. Your bills are deferred until the end of this year or make it the end of October, whatever it is. You know, but for a time period out there, your bills are deferred, okay? And then you have two kind of bills. Everybody does. First bill is on a note. The note on your car is for two years. The note on your house is for 15 years. All right? So let's say the note on your house is 15 years, the note on your car is two years. And it took us six months to get back to where you were bringing income again. We just extend that note. The note extends six months. That's that. That's that. Then you have bills that you accrue. Utilities, you would accrue. Insurance, you would accrue. You know, if you pay rent, you would accrue that, okay? So say at the end of the six months, you owe $25,000 in all those bills, okay? On those bills, either you work out something with each individual company that you pay 20% more on every bill for a period of time until you're paid off with the, right with the company. They could work out that program, or that's when the government could give low interest loans at one or 2% for the amount that you actually need to pay your debt off, make it a 10 year loan so it's not, you're not under a big burden of a big lump sum you know, that you have to pay every month that's, that people can, that still would cripple people. You put it out that way. Now you're loaning money based on what we actually need, not on some imaginary bullshit that we think we're going to need. And that's what they're doing right now. And to me, if you would do just simply that and then go, then 
then the government could focus on the big industries, the lenders, the insurance companies, the utilities. Those are your main ones that would need some help because they got a big group of people that ain't paying them, okay? And they have bills, even though they're fucking billion-dollar motherfuckers. <laughs> they're not motherfuckers. But, uh, but they've got a lot of money. But still, they might need some help. Well, then government is just focused on these industries, which they are anyway. They are anyway they're focused on them to, to do what they need to do there. You see what I'm saying? And what that does is it allows us it one, it takes the stress off society. A lot of the stress on people right now is exactly that. It, uh, it takes that stress off. It is the government going, we got you. I got you. You feel like you're loved by your government, not used by your government. That's an insane concept in America, you know. And, you know, we got you. And, you know, and then you go... Now, now the amount of money that you have saved up, you can use that money just for necessities. Now the only thing you need to spend money on is food, necessities. And if you're the type that saved quite a bit of money, now you can help other people because all they need is necessities. Now you're freed up. Now the $1,200 check they send you means something. It means something because you're just buying necessities with it. They're keeping you out of a food line. Now the food lines shorten up. People can help more and you don't and you don't have this chain that will happen eventually of bankruptcies and repossessions. Oh, it's going to be You nuts. know, and and and, that, and you will, that way when the economy comes back then people, then you have more businesses able to reopen, which puts more people immediately to work. There's no stutter step. But if they don't do it that way, then you're going to foreclose on homes, repossess cars, people lose their insurance, okay? Small businesses go down because they finally just go, go debunk on their lease, declare bankruptcy, you imagine how, what happens in this country when we have 100,000 bankruptcies? Yeah. Think about that compared to the coronavirus, right. to yeah. the death of the coronavirus itself. You know, you go, you go, and what do you do with the repossessed cars? You got to resell them. You got to do something with them. People, as soon as people start making money again, they got to go get the insurance again. Do you think if you're the insurance company that dropped me, I'm going back to you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you think... If you see what I'm saying, yeah, it the just, reason the federal government is so reluctant to do something like that is, and in theory, I agree with you a thousand percent. If we could push pause for a minute, it would it would help so much. Um, is that the the immense complexity of something like that, of as you described, that one business's bills have a ripple effect through 30 other accounts of people who are getting paid, and the people are getting paid, and people are getting paid, and there's nobody in the federal, there's no department of the federal government resourced or with employees to come close to like managing that size enterprise. So what they, what, they're, what they do instead, instead of saying, hey, let's develop something like that, they say, well, it'd just be a lot easier if we just throw money at it now. Let's just throw money at everybody and let all the things that are already in place to collect money stay there and try to make sure the money's still there. But what we've seen in 
particularly in the banking uh, crisis, and what we're seeing already now, some of them which you've brought up in some of your uh, fireside chats, is that when the government does that, it tends to leak as if there's a sieve, and it tends to accumulate all in a very small group of large organizations, and it's the small business who gets left out. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing to me is, is that, and, and that's exactly right. I mean, the thing, but you know what I want. And the remember thing who survived is, the housing crisis and the banking right. crisis, and remember who didn't. That's right. Yeah. But the thing is, is you go, you go in this particular situation. You know what I mean? The, in the housing crisis, you had people who had no business owning more than one house that had three houses. They knew they shouldn't have three houses, but somebody let them. You know what I mean? Don't tell me you don't know that you shouldn't have three houses. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's a little different. There was some ownness on the other side. There's a ton of fraud in the banking system. But in this, but in this, this is a totally different situation. And I agree with the, the management of that. They would have to figure out along the way. Similar reaction by the Federal Reserve. But the, pro the problem, with the, the, the key to this one is it's going to happen anyway. You, it's going to oh, right. happen the, the anyway. Outcome, you can you decide how you're going to deal yeah. with it, but people are not going to be able to pay their right. fucking bills. And then how are you what, – what they're doing right now is they're putting the onus on each of us as an yeah. individual, which I preach this to everybody, is that, is that at some point here soon, if you're not already there, you need to call everybody you owe a bill to. And you, even if you're still able to pay them, you're still in a place where you're able to pay. You need to call them and let them know what your situation is. And let them know that if this lasts a long time, we're going to need to work something out. And I'm going to tell you that uh, you'll be surprised that almost every company you call is very um, kind. Right. Is very, they're not attitude-y. Sure. They're, they're like, they get it. And uh, there's been, there, and, and I've heard uh, from several comedy club owners and from a couple of individuals that even insurance companies, they've called and said, hey, man, let's just put everything on hold till July. In other words, don't worry about paying you. We're not going to drop you. Don't pay your bill, you know, now. In July, we'll assess and see where we're at. They get, I mean, people get it all the way up and down the line. Right. Yeah. Insurance companies go, we don't want to, we don't want to kick 20% of our people off the thing. We, and then they might not come back, right, right. you know, How expensive is the exactly. Let's at least keep them on the fucking hook. And there's not that, that push and pull with like your landlord can't evict you and put someone else in here. <laughs> of course <laughs> There's not. There's nothing else that could happen. You know, exactly right. At least as anyway. far as you know. Well, but Mitch, well, I was just going to say, business-wise, you guys are all correct. You want the answer to your question as far as the industry goes. It's not the comedy clubs. Somebody, like Les said, would come in, you know, and, uh, I mean, you take a place like this, Les goes away, somebody's come in here immediately yeah. because he's built such a dynasty. The same way, Atlanta, you know, you go to Atlanta, you know, I can name you 30 cities. But you know who's going out of business in this? Comics. Right. We're the ones mm, going out of business. Right. I'm the guy going yeah. out of business. Right. Because I have, you know, I have what I have, and I have nowhere to, to monetize that skill. Right. And most right. comics don't have deep pockets. Right. right. Yeah. They, don't, they don't have a, a retirement no. and thing I'm, set up. You I'm know. down to... 
I'm my only source of income is my Sirius XM money. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because I was and and I feel like I had a little foresight because as as Les can tell you, I was probably what eighty percent dependent on cruise ships yeah. for a number of years. Yeah. And the last five years, I've really reduced that to where it became more thirty to forty. 50 per, you know and that's an industry that yeah. might not and, ever and come that back the same have, way and yeah. well the, the, right now yeah. they they believe it or not they're selling cruises for the 4th of July <laughs> but i somehow don't believe that's going right. to happen and they're also like you know i work for the carnival corporation but carnival cruise lines in particular has 30 ships in its fleet not the brand the brand has 12 cruise lines carnival has 30 ships right now they're they're talking about only bringing back 18 of those 30 ships. Yeah, because then it goes back to what Les said earlier, and uh, right. and this the psychology of it is going to be very interesting to watch of when people go through something like this and their habits change drastically. Yes, you probably will see a pent-up demand kind of released all at once, but consumer habits could change through something well, like this. And on top of that... And will somebody want to get on a cruise well, ship after some of well, those nightmare scenarios? And I can tell you there's no way they... The way they work comedians is we met the ship in the middle of a cruise. Mm-hmm. There's no way I'm hopping on a flight to Belize right, to right. go meet the ship in the middle of a cruise now. You know, the whole structure of the entertainment department is going to change yeah. uh, 180 degrees when they finally decide to come back. And, you know, I can tell you 100, you know, I could probably name off the top of my head 50 guys and gals at least that were depending 90% on the cruise right. ships as they're, you know, that were living on the edge wow. right now. And they're, they're toast. I mean, I'm, a, I'm lucky only because I've, I've been able to fortify some other yeah. areas, but I'm still having to wait for those to come back. And I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, my job is protected. I'm, I'm more important than ever right now, and I'm able to work. But what I tell everybody that's doing that is as counterintuitive as it seems, You've got to try to consume wherever you can. You've got to try to spend money if you get right. a paycheck That's right. because so many people can't. So while the inclination is to say, well, I better save because you never know what's going to happen next, right. that only serves to help make sure you're going to be unemployed in the near future. Or the, or, the un, or, or the inclination is I should use this money, I should send it to the food bank, mm-hmm. not to go. And uh, I, Yesterday, you know, this is the time of year I plant. Right. I, 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 I landscape, you know, and I do it myself. And I was like, and I've been putting it off because I was like, you know, when you go, when you do that, I'm going to spend two or $300, you know, and I'm like, ah, you know, maybe I'm better off doing that. Somebody might need it, this, that, and the other. And then finally I was like, fuck, I'm going, you know, and doing it. And, uh, and, and I realized, I thought that same thing. Now, by the way, uh, when I went over, uh, by God, uh, the prices have dropped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did. They they had some beautiful annuals for a buck, you know. That was so. Uh, I didn't spend as much as I thought. But you know, I was thinking that same thing, Mitch. Was that you know, there's there's that fight within you is going, what's the right thing to do? But it, it is a little bit of both. You you kind of always feel like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'll, I'll say this kind of in closing on this is that. My feeling is this, is that the only reason I'm successful now, I mean, we've been through a recession period where 
the, we just saw the bottom drop out and we almost went into a depression, okay? Well, you might have thought, hey man, people won't spend like they've been doing. People will save money more. People won't, you know, be as lavish and this, that, and that. We did not see that at all, at all. The travel industry did not see that. The cruise ship industry did not see that at all, at all. You know, part of the reason that we, are, we have so much money floating around in our economy is because the population's so big. 7.3 billion people, you know. That's a lot of people, man. And that's a lot of, you know, just in small transactions. The reason, you know, comedy club, this is an easy thing not to do. This is an easy thing to go, you know, we go to the comedy club. Nobody goes to the comedy club every week. You know, I'd say, I'd say a, real, a real strong customer for me is probably once a month, yeah. you know, kind of a thing kind of a deal yeah. but you know that's kind of a thing and, and a lot of people come three or four times a year do this mm. you know kind of a deal it's an easy thing to cut out same as going out to dinner you know what i mean i mean i don't know about you guys when i was a kid growing up going out to dinner was a big fucking deal yep. i mean yep. that was a big deal and nowadays people eat out more than they eat at home in a lot of cases yeah you know so there's a lot of that but you know it I think with our culture, we just like, we like being out. We like being together. And if a restaurant is half-assed, they might fall away. The ones that have been just kind of making it because of sheer numbers, they might fall away. If you're, if you're a restaurant that just is kick-ass, if you're like going, hey, man, that dish at that restaurant, I can't get anywhere else that I can drive to within an hour except there, and I love it. You're going there. Well, less than You art. know, and the yeah. same way with the comedy. They, they go, they know when they walk into this room. They're going to get quality. They know when they walk out of this room, they feel better than when they walked into this room. Every single time. Yep. They feel better. There's very few things with comedy. There's very few things as an industry that can say that. Guaranteed, you're going to feel better when you come in than when you left. Concerts might not be it. Sporting events might not be it. A theater, a play might not be it. You know, a restaurant might not be it. None of those might not provide that guarantee as guaranteed as a good comedy club as a good, comedy club. a good comedy as a good club. comedy that's yeah. right and that's see right. there's there's your big difference and and i'll tell you what will fall away from our area are the restaurants and places that just rely on season as their mm. main source of income oh yeah the yeah. guy you know that's your they 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 get the overflow during season Sure. Because but the way that, the reason we've all done better in this in this area over the past, especially uh, 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 especially since the recession ended in 2014, you know, but still it's been coming is that it's just growth. It's just sheer population growth. And when you when you're in a desirable area of the world, I don't give a shit where it is. You're in a desirable area of the world, you know, place. Uh, the numbers are just, uh, 
they're they're just growing like crazy and, and even though a tremendous amount of the world is in abject poverty and in horrible situations and it is horrible and i wish there were things we could do about it but still a huge part of the world has a disposable income yeah. never in the history of the world have so many people been living in such a high quality of life ever absolutely and a lot of that is the technology that we have today and, and the that 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 helps everything you know so I, I really think as bad as this is and it's bad and we've never seen anything like it but I hope the silver lining and we you've heard this a million fucking times but I hope the silver lining on this thing is is that we will get out of it we will we we will see I think most businesses that were good businesses will come back in some way shape or form they will maybe with the original owners maybe not but they will you know as far as that goes and hopefully we've learned some lessons so that as a world community we won't let this happen like this again you know we shouldn't we're stupid if we do we're a bunch of fucking idiots if we let this happen again we don't put the infrastructure in to react yeah. in a much more cohesive well so it's like what i said to this i go i go I go, you can vilify China if you want to, but I go, and even if they did produce it in a lab and it got out by accident or something, wasn't like some, obviously it wasn't something that they created to throw it out there because it's fucked with them too, right. you know. But you go, no matter what, what we need to understand is why did they feel like that they needed to not immediately get the information out there yeah. why did they feel that way there's a reason they felt that way that's what we need to identify we need to identify that so that we make sure that no world leader in any country feels that way even if it's fucking north korea you know that that is fucking crazy but we still need to let their leadership know in this situation the best thing you can do for you you motherfucker if you just want to be a selfish son of a bitch the best thing you can do is get this information out quickly you know what i mean that's what you hope that happens and that you know we don't at least the next time this thing happens it won't be as bad because it'll probably happen again or something like this and yeah. after 30 years as a full-time stand-up comedian i can look forward to maybe being a manager of a frozen foods department Public. So I'm excited about you, those possibilities. You know something, Al, you'll probably do better than you've ever done in your entire life. You'll go you'll go ten years from now, you'll go, that fucking virus turned my life around. That's right. <laughs> the profit sharing there is supposed to be off the hook, man. Look at, I, look at that I, public. I'm living on Longboat Key. That's right. <laughs> I got a fucking boat. I got that would have never less, happened. Less in I comedy. Move up though, baby, because I'm the bear followers are coming into public. <laughs> it's the bears. Up. The bears. <laughs> the bears. I'm, I'm just on the cart sanitation team right now. Well, I, got, I do some stocking in the cart sanitation team. Well, there you but, go. Uh, you know, that's what 30 years of full-time stand-up will get you. That's right. But, that's right. If you manage your life well, like you have, it. Al. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I, well, thanks, everybody. I appreciate you coming out. And, uh, hey, we'll, we'll do it again. You know, we'll roll. Hey, we can do this again. And... I can't believe we, we probably talked for two hours. I don't know. And uh, and we still 
have the mystery of the raccoon training. <laughs> I know we're bringing you back. I hold it close. I hold it close you to the got, vest. I hope you have a T-shirt. Tramp stamp. <laughs>